Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and Pop Culture Podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. It is our final episode for November, and more than likely our final November episode ever. But do not fret, Graham McMillan and I are here to answer your questions about what we will be doing post-podcast, our favorite wrap-ups for series and stories, the upcoming Dawn of DC, what can go wrong when dealing with press embargoes, what our next read-through would have been, who our Marvel and DC podcasting equivalents are, favorite comic book events, must-read recommendations, our early pick for book of the year, and much, much more. We welcome your comments at waitwhatpodcast.com, your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lasser. Graham McMillan, hello! Hello! How are you doing? I'm, I, well, on the one hand, I am okay, as far as you and the listeners are concerned. Oh, but no. In What's the other hand? The other hand is I ate something in the last 36 hours that is making my ass act out in the worst way possible. It is just flatulence okay, okay, town okay. here. Yeah, I was going to say, we have to unpack what, what your ass acting out in the worst way possible actually means. Yeah. Like, yeah. you were just farting a lot? Just or... fart. Well, farting a lot. It's... It's not, it's so much the quantity, it's the quality. And the quality oh, okay. is... I hope that means we hear some. Oh, I, I'm going to do everything in my power not to make sure that you do, but part of the problem is, as you know from editing, uh, is that my stupid nightmare headset is... Um, it it w- whenever you whenever you mute it it actually ends up on the recording sounding like a, a prisoner just got electrocuted. It, it does know. sound. It's really strange that you're muting and unmuting. Actually, genuinely sounds like someone has been hit by electricity. Yeah, it really does. I don't quite know what happened. Yeah, it's. I mean, it happens with some of these headsets where they just I, they're again, just like. In all the oh, we've been doing yes. this, you have had the worst luck with headsets. Like, such bad luck that it would feel like a bit if I didn't know quite how upset you get about it. I, It's true. It's true. I really do get upset and defensive about it, which is, it's a shame. And so I flipped out and went online and, and cause I think I told you, I'm like, they're, they're not making our headsets anymore. Crap. They're not making them. So I actually went to the manufacturer and bought them at a premium. But and... if I hated these headsets, you've always all like for years, you've always gotten very grumpy about them. And then said, the only reason you get them is cause I've got one. And it works. Yeah. But then you always badmouth it. So why didn't you just get a different type of headset? Because I did that this time, and this one's even worse. Like, it, you know, you know, Graham, let me tell you. Let me tell you something. It's kind of amazing. I thought it would be fun, which more fool me, to go back and start looking at our RSS feed um, and kind of start taking a tally of our, like, topics and things. Graham, we've been obsessive compulsives from like episode from, from one. the get go. Yeah. yeah, from the get go. Like our second episode is us talking about Grant Morrison. Our third episode is us arguing about Alan Moore, and then like our fourth episode <laughs> is talking about Jeff Johns. So it's so just we, like look, we we got on topic really quickly. Ironically, for this show, we got a topic very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, Jeff, I just want to tell you, I just went on Amazon right now, and I looked up the headset I'm using, and I get multiple returns for it. So okay. part of me wonder Graham, you... okay, hold on. So I didn't finish telling my story, Graham. <laughs> okay. The story being, I went and bought the thing at a premium, and they're like, sure. And I'm like, okay, and you better ship it to me immediately. They're like, sure, even more money. I'm like, well, it's worth it, because I only have four or five more episodes of this thing to record. But also... Weirdly enough, I had a whole situation where the headset works great on a PC or did before this recent one died out. So I'm like, I, I'll just get it again and it'll work for work and that'll be fine. And I'll figure out a way to, to... Anyway, Graham, I ordered the, the wrong headset. I ordered the one that's even worse. <laughs> and so, oh my God. Oh my so, God. so I ordered an even worse one at a premium and then realized, oh no, that's... That's not the one I want. I want this stupid Microsoft one, which for whatever reason was not showing up in my order history, only the discontinued sucky ass one that I then turned around and bought directly. I, so I, again, again, I feel that you have the worst luck with headsets. I do. Like unusually bad luck. Well, I mean, I, I think as I explained to you in a tweet, I've got I've got a very large head, Graham. I've got a large head. I've got bad hearing. I tend to talk too loud. I've got a beard that sort of all but reaches out against the you're, headset. You're, you're, yeah, your beard is uh, aggressive. Yeah, it like, is. I, I do imagine that your beard genuinely interferes with the microphone because yeah. the microphone isn't that far away and your beard is uh, sizable. Yeah, so the number of times where it's like, I'm like, what is that scratching sound? And I realize it's, it's just you. me. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So... So yeah, there's a there's a lot of factors and all of them suck. But uh, I feel like there was something else that I was going to say. Well, oh, apart sorry, from I us, interrupted yeah. when you were talking about how we uh, we got on topic very early. Oh yes, like almost terrifyingly early. Yeah, uh, sorry, it's gone. It was it was just something along the lines of like, yeah, from the get go, we've been we've been just talking about the same ten topics uh, for thirteen years now. But amazingly enough. Um, yeah, I apparently went through 36 headsets in the course of doing so. So, you know. I I honestly think that's only a slight exaggeration. Uh, you know, it it I'm glad <laughs> you think so. It is by, you know, On, only slightly though. <laughs> I think it's possible that in the time we've been doing this, you've gone through at least 10 headsets. Yeah, I think that seems high. 6 sounds about right, but maybe I'm wrong. Trying to think I know, what I happened think, when I, I was know I've been through four. Uh huh. And I'm fairly sure, like, we have a ratio of you going through like three for every one. I go yeah, through. maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. I definitely, I was definitely thinking I'd gone through like six to eight, but maybe it is more like twelve. That's the thing. I remember, like, our first episodes. I was recording and mixing them on my my beloved little uh, netbook. And yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember what I was using as a headset back then. Maybe I wasn't. Maybe I was just listening to it straight, which is quite possible. So I, I have this – we've gone through this before. This is mm -hmm. before we get the Q&A and everything. I have this what I guess must be fake memory of recording a podcast with you when I lived in San Francisco. But didn't we work out that we only started it after I moved to Portland? I, I think that uh... – What's the date of the first episode? The date remember? of the first episode is after you moved. It's after I moved, right? Right? Yeah. Cause you... I, and yet I have this unusually clear memory. And you know me. My memory is for shit, Jeff. <laughs> like, my, like, 
my memory is famously bad. Right. But I have this, you know, sense memory mm-hmm. of sitting in the spare room of the place I used to live in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you may or may not remember. You probably don't, because why would you? But the spare room had the back door in it. Oh, and, yeah, I remember that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I remember sitting there beside mm-hmm. the window with the door open behind me, mm-hmm. recording a podcast with you. With me, was I in the room at the same time? No, 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 no. You like we were. We I was were remote. On... Yeah, yeah, right. Well, and I'm like, and again, my memory is terrible. What not? I'm fairly sure you picked this up, but Jeff definitely knows that my memory is just yeah. shockingly, like, genuinely, appallingly bad. Yeah, it's impressive. And, and yet, yeah, I have this really strong memory. But the thing is, because it's so strong, I'm also convinced it's fake. Right, right, exactly. Um, well, so according to now, we did our first batch, maybe I don't know, ten or plus episodes, I think, without an RSS feed, and then I went back and and retroactively built one. Um, maybe it was longer than that. And according to again the retroactively made created um, RSS feed. Our our first episode was in June of two thousand nine. Yeah, I see, because that's not even close to me moving. Because I moved yeah. in December two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah. Right, so it's not even like you know we recorded a month earlier or something. Right. Yeah, it must. And also, I remember doing it in the summer because again the back door was open. Well, it's in June. Yeah, but two thousand nine. I moved in two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe I'm off by a year. Maybe I I'm... don't know. Maybe like I again. I think it's more likely that it's just fake. Hmm. It's quite possible. I mean, it is. It is apt. Although, interestingly enough, Graham, I have to say, uh, your your memory is terrible, but it's also usually impressively subtractive. You know what I mean? Like it, I th- don't. You're gonna have to explain. I, I I mean, like, there's not lots. I I've never done like been with you and had I've, you like I've, start I've never, talking about I've something. Never fake remembered. I've yeah, you you forget like why shit that oh, happened I, to I, us. Yeah, I forget shit that like you know spoilers for when the question's coming up. It's like, hey, when did you guys know that you were such good friends? I genuinely don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I genuinely yeah. don't remember. Yeah. Uh, Which is and, great. And it, this, like that, it's on brand for me. Yes. Yes, um, it is. But and, no, I, I forget, like, I forget stuff all the time. All it's the amazing. Time. My memory is, I mean, just impressively bad until it's not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I remember the most, like, random things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but also, it's completely unreliable insofar as I could remember something completely clearly tomorrow and then a week from then not only have forgotten the thing but i've forgotten ever remembering the thing mm, mm-hmm. like i could have a conversation with you tonight about like oh remember this happened and it's entirely crystal clear and then next week i could listen to the episode and be like i don't fucking remember that oh yeah it's totally true like has yeah. now has it always been like that graham or is or is it a result of trauma well, there's trauma. I mean, the trauma of like you, you're one of the things that's really fun about the questions here is, I mean, I'd like to think we provide a, a, a multiplicity of services here at the White What Podcast, <laughs> but there's certainly a lot of people who are like, where the hell am I going to get essentially my news um, sum up? And, 
and which is something i mean i think we bring lots of other stuff but the the transition in your life and career of which this this podcast kind of jumped in at the semi-early-ish part of yeah, that. Yeah, no, it was. It was the earliest part of it. Yeah. Like, basically, it got started just as I and I was just getting underway. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it, I mean, I think I, I, again, I can't remember if I said this on the podcast, but I know for a fact I've certainly talked to you about it privately. Um, part of the way I do my job is I literally forget everything I write about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise my brain would be too full. Right. Um, and it might be it might be part of that. That's I, that's I, what I, I've always to assumed. Some degree, yeah. that's a taught skill. Skill feels like entirely the wrong word, mm-hmm. considering you know I'm talking about literally forgetting stuff. Um, but it, it's something that you know it didn't used to be the case. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to remember, I used to remember so much that it would get uh, disruptive or interruptive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, oh no, and then this happened, uh, and like, right. I, I, you know, it get in my own head, mm-hmm. and so at some point, I, I was like, well, okay, I will just move on. Yeah. But the problem is, moving on meant like, you know, I'll just put this, I'll just put this away. Right. Um, and I, you know, I made the joke about trauma, but like, I remember talking to my therapist uh, about, you know, not work things, personal things. And she more or less was like, so you deal with things by basically putting memories in a box and then forgetting about them. And I was like, oh, hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, which I get. I, I no, I do get. Uh, one of the things I think is interesting, of course, is is um, like memory, memory, and and retaining one's memory is such a big. Uh, weird I, I thought it was just a weird thing obsession with me for a long time but it turns out that like so many of these things like it also is like uh, looms large in my mom's life she spends lots of time talking about you know like i'm getting the dementia here comes the dementia and then of course you know she'll tell me everything that everyone she's talked to in the last two weeks will say and i'm like mom you you're not you're, getting... yeah, yeah, this is not a dementia. Yeah, but she's like, no, but I don't know what day it is. I'm like, you're retired. You don't have to know what day it is. Like, that's fine. Like, you were able to do your job back when you had a job. And anyway, so, but one of the things that was interesting to me recently, rel- comparatively recently, uh, was learning that chances are good from the way our memories work is memories really the memory is not necessarily designed to uh remember stuff like if you if you go and you do all the tests and you do the things every time you like you know there's the long stuff that gets committed to long-term memory and in order to to get it from short-term to long-term memory you have to think or reflect on something within a certain period of time or else you just forget it. So that happens and then it goes into long-term memory. But more or less every time you remember it, it's like a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy. And you you tend to basically misremember your brain yeah, yeah, just yeah. starts putting shit in there. And yes. people are like, well, if that's the point, then, you know, what? what's the fucking purpose of memory if it doesn't work well? And they... they think that it is actually tied to your ability to imagine your future 
So in other words, the things that we encounter in the past are a way to allow us to are really sort more useful. Things. Yeah. Yeah. That, so, you know, so it's one of those things I think is, is kind of interesting because I, that weirdly just put me, uh, I was going to say at ease, but that suggested that I was not at ease about my bad memory. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it makes sense. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. Because first of all, I'm not particularly bothered about my bad memory. It's it, for me, it's just like, oh, I have a bad memory, mm-hmm. you know, moving mm-hmm. on. Um, but also I'm not someone who tends to get, uh, actively anxious mm-hmm. about the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that weirdly tracks then, I guess, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, like I know, I know people who, who are, as I said, actively anxious about the future. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, a, it's an right. ever present concern. Right. And that is definitely not me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so maybe that maybe that makes sense as to why I am not particularly upset that my memory is for shit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. while being completely aware again that my memory is for shit. Right. My but it also doesn't sound like also you've got a huge history of like dementia on your side of the family, right? Like, uh, no, but that's only because all my family died too early for that sort of thing to be a thing. Yeah, I guess that's it. Well, at least there's that for, for so. other reasons, right? <laughs> Anyway, yes, uh, let's let's start this episode with a uh, a fifteen minute conversation about memory. <laughs> well, it's not. It's I'm excited not... about doing the questions. I I'm am too. Avoiding the questions. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's true. Well, the thing I also feel a little uh, perhaps um, too confident. I guess you know I'm like, <laughs> oh, we we barely have any. Like back in the day where we used to have like thirty six thousand. Oh, yeah. We used to do like three episodes of questions. So we're getting through all of these tonight. Yeah, I think so too. We, we so are, part of me is like, just telling you. so it's like, let's wrap, you know, like, uh, like is, is, let's is there wrap. anything yeah. that should be the news that we should talk about since that appears to be I like. I mean, news, uh, the only thing that I can really think of in terms of news was the dawn of DC announcement yesterday. Right. Because again, we're recording this Saturday, Friday, which would be November 18th, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, DC announced Dawn of DC. Dawn of DC is uh, basically what DC is doing next year. It's 20 new comics. 20, sorry, at least 20 new comics. And right. I say new, like they're new, like there's a, a Green Lantern Hal Jordan book. There's a Green Lantern John Stewart book. So new is in the eye of the beholder. They are titles that are starting from issue, zero, uh, issue one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks, I mean, it looks like a fun lineup. I'm, I'm going to be very happy to see Mark Wade and Dan Mora do Shazam, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mariko Tamaki doing Hal Jordan, I think it'd be fascinating, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. really kind of into that idea. Uh, the books, they announced 10 of the 20 books yesterday. Right. Uh, and the 10 are, if I can open up my email in time. No. Uh, the 10, I'm sorry. Uh, so ten new. So these are quote unquote new books. Are yes. some of them sound like they are relaunching established titles? Yeah, right. Yeah, like almost all of them are relaunching established titles. Okay, thank you. Right? I wasn't sure if titles, it was adding an titles, additional no, book. Yeah, there okay. are also titles that have been well established titles that have been gone for a while. Is the important part of this, mm, mm, right? In some so, cases, for example, yeah. Yeah. So ten is Unstoppable Doom Patrol, right? By Dennis Culver and Chris Burnham. Chris Burnham, woo! Dennis Culver's going to be fun in that as well, I think. Mm. Um, that like Doom Patrol hasn't had a book in two years, mm-hmm. right? Superboy, Man of Tomorrow, 
like it's a Connor Kent book. Connor Kent hasn't had a book in because I looked it up. Eight years. Wow. Um, Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, and Green Lantern, John Stewart is two separate titles. Yeah. Again, Hal Jordan hasn't had a book in two years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Stewart hasn't had a book in like a year, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Green Arrow is relaunching. It's been three and a half years since Green Arrow's had a title. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something called Batman, The Brave and the Bold, mm-hmm. which is, I think it's a team-up book, and I think it's a team-up book that's also an anthology. Huh. Uh, the creative team announced was Tom King, Mitch Garads, Galen Marsh, Gabriel Hardman, Dan Mora, Rob Williams, and more. It's worth pointing out Gabriel Hardman then went on Twitter and said, yeah, I'm writing and drawing a backup strip. Ah, okay. All right. So That's, that helps we'll clear see. it up. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Cyborg, there's no talent announced that just yet. Shazam is in June. It's Mark Wade and Dan Mora. There's also in June a book called The Penguin, open brackets, working title, close brackets. Uh, yeah. From Tom King and Stefano uh, Giardino. And Steelworks was the last of the new titles announced this week, which mm. is John Henry Irons and Natasha Irons. Right. Again, no no creative team attached to that just yet. Mm-hmm. Or no creative team that they're announcing, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, what's... Uh, oh, tying into our first question. Um, there, there were two versions of the press release for this. Uh, one of them, which was there was a creator who was attached to one of the books, and then they were like, don't name them. So, wow. So, you know, that sort of thing happens, right? Mm-hmm. I, but it was... it's. Uh, one of the conversations I had with a, a bunch of press at New York Comic Con was um, which publisher we like getting press releases from the most. Mm. Uh, and someone who will remain nameless but does not work uh, for Popverse or any site that I work for um, was be- was very unhappy with the way the DC does uh, press releases. Mm. Because he said, I really hate that they give pre- they send out press releases late on one day, embargoed to first thing next the next morning. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, for example, the, like the first version of this press release was sent out at four thirty on Thursday mm-hmm. to be unembargoed at eight o'clock the next morning. Mm. Uh, that's I mean, there's been worse. There's been ones that have sent out at like ten o'clock at night and they're embargoed until like six the next morning. Yeah. Like the embargo lasts like eight hours. Um, no, it's just I I find it I find it funny because the other thing is, uh, you know, the name that was then removed was in that first press release. Mm-hmm. So if, like me, you wrote up that first press release. It's mm-hmm. luck that I then get the second email before eight o'clock the next morning to know to take it out. Wow. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have included it. Right. Right. Yeah. Oof. Um, well, actually, you know, that, that in a way, I think that might lead me to ask you a question, which is, uh, if you happen to remember, what is, uh, arguably the worst situation where you ran something and then were told afterwards you shouldn't have run it and, and sort of how badly did it, did it, did it screw things up in terms of your relationship with the publisher have, or did any I of that happen once written something for embargo and then got the date wrong when i published it mm. uh, and i published it live as opposed to publishing it for a week away Ooh. so i broke the embargo for by a week mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and that was that didn't 
really damage my relationship with the publisher. Mm-hmm. But it basically changed everyone else's embargoes because I'd run it. Oh, I'd, wow. I'd put it public. Yeah. Um, right. And I had to like go cap in hand and be like, no, I fucked up. I fucked up. I, I like that's entirely on me. Do you remember what this this was? And can you can you talk about it? Can you say what it is now? Let us. I don't remember what it was. I don't remember. I knew it. Was. You're just. It's you like, I, are. I um, you are the I worst can, tea spiller. You, yeah, I yeah. can tell you with like seventy five percent certainty mm-hmm. that I think it was Marvel. Mm. Oh, interesting. Okay. But again, that's only 75%. This is what right. I find out wrong. Um, but it like it was one of those things where I think if I tried to do it as anything other than just being like, oh, I fucked up. I fucked up really bad. Right, uh, right. It would have gone much worse. But I like yeah. I knew I fucked up. Like it was yeah. it was it was inescapable because it was mm-hmm. a, it was it, an embargo that was sell, sent out wide, which means mm-hmm. lots of outlets got the embargo at the same time I did. Mm-hmm. But I was the one that went live with it. Mm-hmm. So like it was really clear. Right. That either yeah. a I ignored the embargo, which is right. you know an ultimate no no, yeah, or that I fucked up. So I had to just go cap and down to be like, yeah, I really fucked that up. I'm sorry. Mm. Um, on uh, like it's not a question you asked, mm-hmm. but there has been more than one case where I've gone with something I've been given as embargo, and they've not gotten a correction in there in time, and so I've run incorrect information. Mm. Mm-hmm. That that is honestly more common than you'd think. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. update afterwards, and it looks like you got it wrong. First of all, and right. what actually happens is something happens at the publisher between them sending it to you and them and it going live. Right. right. Um. But that is that's more common than you think. Yes. It's very common to get something in embargo, and that not to be what publishers, and mm. it's. Normally, small changes, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it's surprisingly often changes in wording of quotes or wording of um, descriptions or like solicit text mm-hmm. and like really minor, uh, minor changes, mm-hmm. like incredibly minor, you know, like this. Can we make this into two sentences instead of one minor? Right, right. Um, that happens all the time all the time Um, I can't remember what book it is I'm really sorry everyone like I said my memory is bad there was one time where and I didn't publish this but it was a really interesting change the initial embargoed version of a press release basically spoiled the entire like plot of the the thing Hmm. and then they had to send out a, a like a second version where they're like, can you just ignore the second paragraph of the solicit? Mm-hmm. Because it really did. It was, I, I'm, I'm, I'm making this up because I, I, I'm, I'm saying that because it's not this project. Right. But I'm just like, you know, right. Using an example. It was like saying, uh, you know, Superman and Batman are fighting, uh, you know, and they're doing it because Batman's got kryptonite. And can Superman trust him? And then the next paragraph is like, of course he can't. It's Lex Luthor all along. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was like, it really was. It was, it was spoiling, like, you know, there was right. a, uh, it was spoiling the twist. Yeah. And it just like right. outright spoiled the twist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had sent out a thing being like, yeah, just, just pretend that wasn't in there. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't say that. 
don't say because it just it's lot. you know outright one hundred percent just spoil mm. the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that is. I imagine that does happen a lot. You know, here's the thing. I know this is something you've told me at least twice, but um, and doesn't really count for the people who are asking, like, "Ooh, the stuff behind the scenes that Jeff gets to hear." Can we? Can we at least know one of these things? But when the hell are all those um, Vertigo books hitting DC? UI <laughs> is it is it the twenty second is it coming up or is it I, later I, I, is it I, I I can give you an answer but only if it's not being recorded. What's that? I can give you an answer but only if it's not being recorded because it's not being really. Recorded. Is it it's still embargoed? It's oh, still embargoed, Jeff. You're gonna have to cut this out. Like for real, you're gonna have to cut this out. Oh. Yeah, oh, see, yeah. I thought it was like all the titles you couldn't tell me, but you could at least tell me when. Yeah. No, I can't. I mean, I can, but I can't publicly. No, don't, don't. <laughs> wow. Okay, listeners. Well, listen, tune in next month when we can at least let you know that this is one of those things. Because at least okay, it will be something I, that we we'll remember. All I will say on the record is this. When DC Universe Infinite Ultra, great name, you guys, killing it on the name. When yeah. DC Universe Infinite Ultra was announced, there was something in the press release going, um, for the extra money, you get uh, like all the books one month after they appear in stores, as opposed to six months. Uh, you're going to get a print comic as well. Um, but also, your selection of comics is going to increase dramatically because mm-hmm. we're going to add Mad and we're going to add Vertigo. Yeah. What Jeff is alluding to, and I cannot say, is I know when the latter is happening. <laughs> But I can't say, and Jeff's not supposed to tell you guys that I know that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, I thought you said part of the reason no. why you know it is because no. they announced it. No. Oh, was it just they made the announcement in the press they release and no one paid attention to that yeah. generally? I see. It was in the initial announcement and then no one paid attention. I see. Okay. Wow, Graham. It's people who have signed up for DC Universe Infinite Ultra and would like to read some Vertigo books. Yeah, you're going to be very happy. Yeah. Uh, what can I say? You're going to be very happy before the end of the year. There you go. There you go. Lovely. Lovely. Okay. Well, that's um, that's I'm close enough. Yeah. I'm going to get so much trouble for that. You are not. Oh, like, yeah. like people are going to oh, be like, oh, you know, DC's like, how dare you say that people are going to look forward to using our service? How dare you, sir? <laughs> I did love the Jim Lee's Jim Lee. Oh my God! I they just really need to to phrase those things really differently. Um, which which the, thing? The, the, the when, when he's like, "Yes, the DC heroes are going into the light." You know, I know he didn't say it like that, and of course, it's uh, his, because his, of quote, the... his quote is this: "After the near multiverse ending events in Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths and DC Universe: Colon." Lazarus Planet, the DC Universe will be headed towards the light. With yes. brand new series and story arcs from some of the top creative members in comics, Dawn of DC is one of our most ambitious initiatives ever and has a chance for us to tell bigger and bolder stories across our line. Yeah. Two things about that. Headed towards light, it's called Dawn of DC, obviously. Right. Uh, you've had the darkness, dark crisis, now you're having the dawn. There's, yeah. there's your thematic resonance. My thing is, near multiverse ending event in Dark Crisis and Earths. Mm-hmm. As who's been reading Dark Crisis and Earth knows the midway point of that series is that Pariah restores the infinite Earth. 
Yeah, right. It's worth ending at all. It's just the opposite. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, again, and I think by splitting it out with the talent, and I, I figured out eventually that Dawn of DC was what, the reference for the light, but I was kind of like, you guys really have to come across, you got to put that, you got to phrase that better. You know what I mean? Like, you just don't want to be like, yes, the heroes of DC are supporting life. You know, or they, they um, are they're supporting life. Finally, they they're, they they are on life support, um, <laughs> yeah, just but, like our yeah. comics line. Yeah, you know. Ouch. So, ouch. Yeah, I, I I mean I don't even necessarily believe that, but there there I just really had that thing where I was like, oh Jim Lee, you really gotta oof, you need to you need to sharpen up that that should have done another pass, I think so. Uh, but what do I know? These things happen. Yeah. Do you, should we, should we, I, I, so no, no, I feel like there's some other piece of news, but clearly not. I, there um, probably is, but nothing is, nothing is really springing to mind. Like ah. since we've done, well, since we've done, uh, uh, wait, what? Like Kevin O'Neill has died. Right. And Carlos uh, Pacheco right? has died. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, that's, yeah, no, it was, it was. And then Kevin Conroy, of course, died as well. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, it was, that was, and that was like all in one week, which was fucking weird. Mm, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. genuinely strange that, like, you know, O'Neill and, and and Conroy. Yeah. You know, first of all, both Kevins. Secondly, like, are mm. are, and I don't say this to, to downplay Pacheco at all, but I think that O'Neill and, and Conroy are figures in their respective industries or, or not even in their respective industries, but figures who whose work is responsible for inspiring a lot of other people to do work that is nothing like theirs, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I feel mm-hmm. like Conroy really was like the bat that Batman series really was a gateway for a lot of people into Batman and different comics. Yeah. And like O'Neill's uh impact on comics is is just vast. It's shocking. Yeah. 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 You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was really weird to like to lose both of them in the same week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, really, really weird and painful. Um, yeah, that, and unfortunately, unlike other times where I'm like, and I've got a lot to say about it, I I really don't. Other than it just, it kind of seems like just, I don't know, you know, they. At a certain point, you're kind of like, oh, no, they were so young. And, you know, they weren't necessarily that young, but they were, you know, it's still just a huge loss, um, I think, for the industries that they were in. And I think just kind of that feeling of, you know, sometimes it's nice thinking that like, oh, you know, so-and-so is still out in the world. Sometimes it's not so nice, but, you know, but you're kind of like, oh, yeah, you know. Well, like, especially because O'Neill was only 69 years old or something, I think. Right. And, and, I, and I think I think Conroy was also in his 60s, right? So, and had been ill for some time. But I think they were both, like, to me, now that I am, you know, at the tender age of 56, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, before 70, that's. That's too young. No, that, but that, you that is the thing, right? Because Conroy was sixty-six. Yeah, um, and it is—it's it's that thing of being like that feels young. Mm-hmm. Pacheco mm-hmm. is not old either. No, no, exactly. Um, how old was Carlos Pacheco? 
I would think he's much old, uh, younger than than the other two. So, sixty. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oof. Well, right? I mean, like I, that, you know, like you're saying, that's not old. That's really yeah. not old. Yeah. Um, and so it does have that moment of you're like, oh, mortality, huh? Well, Fuck. mortality, but I mean, you know, there's there are the paranoid among us who are, and I have no idea how it plays into any of those three people, but a lot of people are like, yeah, get, you know, essentially people who had COVID, survived COVID, don't be too surprised if they suddenly die and die very young, you know, of heart-related problems, because that is... That's going to be a thing. That is sort of the secret cost of COVID, which is something that I heard uh, about when the Julie and Julia author died. You yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. Like everybody was like, "Oh, that's shocking," and she's so young, and someone was like, "Hey, get used to it." So, uh, well, I, I, you know, that's that's especially sort of sticking in my mind this week because uh, a friend of mine uh, was traveling recently, and you know, I've talked on this podcast about like, I'm kind of stunned that I did all that traveling didn't get COVID. Yeah. Cause again, I like, I, I traveled all across the country this year and didn't get COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this friend was traveling and then came back and thought that she had a cold mm-hmm. and she had, mm. um, and I was talking to her and she was like, yeah, it's, it basically just feels like a cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing that's really upsetting is like I was traveling and I didn't get to see my husband and mm-hmm. I come back and I basically can't, like spend any time with him mm-hmm. because he's still not fully recovered from the first bout of COVID earlier this year. Oof, yeah, I see. Um, and it's just like that. That's that is the shit that just sort of sticks in your head, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, yep, <laughs> like right, yeah, yeah. So. That, that's that's just the world we're living in now. Mm. Oh boy. Well, there we go. Again, again we really are like. Going, like we're almost 40 minutes into it and we have we're not going to get through all these questions James. yeah right exactly <laughs> for real yeah um devin king asks i really love hearing about the industry stuff one of my favorite segments of the show is when graham clearly knows something and we all wait with bit breath to see if he's allowed to say it usually he can't maybe now the show is ending you can speak to some of it was there ever an interesting piece of new gossip that either of you couldn't share at the time but has now become safe to do so like, did you hear about a release that was about to be announced but just never materialized? I'm not looking for gossip in terms of people, nothing so salacious, but maybe none of this is appropriate to say anyway. Again, my memory's shit. Uh, I am. Also, you and I talked about this earlier this week, and you couldn't remember anything either, which made me feel slightly better. But then I remembered there was something. Oh, yeah? About at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, which was... Oh, hang on. Sorry, I've actually got to move right now because I can't just, just decide it's coming. <laughs> wow. Keep, keep talking amongst yourself. I've right. got to go close the door again. Um, in Oh, God, I can't even think when this was. It was around about the time where, where Scott Snyder was starting in Justice League. Mm-hmm. So 2018, maybe? Right. Like, it was, the, it was the first wave of launches. It was called No Justice. I don't know if you remember that. Or New Justice, sorry. Uh it was the first wave of launches post-Rebirth, right? So you're talking a couple of years after Rebirth. And we're at San Diego Comic-Con, and uh, I am talking to – I'm talking to a bunch of the people um, there because it's San Diego and everyone's there. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to uh, Jim Lee and Dan DiDio, and out of nowhere, completely unprompted in, in, the, in the conversation – Dan Dio just goes, 
And then we've got Brian Azarell relaunching Suicide Squad. (laughs) (laughs) And he said it. And then he stopped himself. Like, he visibly stopped. Oh, man. And Jim Lee just looked at him. And Jim went, have we announced that? (laughs) And the guy who's there is like, we haven't announced that. And then all three of them looked at me. They're like, you can't say anything. Wow. And as you all know by now, that never happened. Well, yes. I mean... Like, Azrael did a Black Label run. Right. Which might have been the repurposed, like, what he was writing. I think so, yeah. Uh, that, Which is what I've always assumed. I've always assumed that the Black Label stuff was the repurposed thing. But they right. 100% were talking about it as it's part of this new Justice relaunch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because you may or may not remember, Rob Williams, who had a fucking great run in Suicide Squad, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Um, if you go back and read his run now, which you should, it's on, it's on DC Universe. It, it's really good. His run clearly finishes like two or three issues before it finishes. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, it clearly comes to a, an end. Mm-hmm. All of the plot threads are, are tied up. Mm-hmm. And it feels relatively rushed as well, which is kind of funny. It feels like he, someone's told him, like, you, you're getting off the book. You've just got to fucking do it. And he's like, okay, so I guess I'm tying this up. I'm going to tie this up. But then he writes, like, three or four more issues afterwards. Oh, that is so... Ugh. And it honestly very much feels like they were like, oh, shit, okay, so Brian Tron isn't ready yet, so mm-hmm. just keep going. <laughs> it's the weirdest experience to read now, because there is a, you know, there's a rhythm, and then it's Williams, right? Williams tends to write with purpose. Right. And you see, like, you know, here's this plot, he's certain issue one, and it comes all the way through, and he wraps it up. And then he keeps going, and you're like, oh, well, maybe he's going to go somewhere interesting. And don't get me wrong, his subsequent issues are fun, but they also very much feel like treading water. Right. And the book just ends. Mm. Mm. Like, just, mm. just ends. Just like, oh, well, see ya. I did, I did, yeah. But it doesn't even say, like, you know, last issue or anything. Mm. It just stops. Mm. And it was like, something happened. <laughs> something definitely happened with this. Right, with this. right. Yeah. Um, so that's the closest I could remember them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's others. I'm, I'm like, I'm sure there's others. Uh, there's a lot that you hear about that never happens, but it's never actually announced. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear so and so going, yeah, you know, I'm working on such and such, and it just doesn't happen. But that's really common, unfortunately. Right. Right. That's like, incredibly common. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, you hear uh, creators talk about their plans for comics that just never happen. As in, like, you know, they're working on whatever. Like, you know, Writer X is working on The Flash. Right. And they're like, yeah, and then I'm going to have Wally do blah, 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 blah. And then it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also just kind of like, and that's nothing new. You can go back to, like, all the Marvel Age books. And every every summer, Marvel Age did, like, their preview specials. And you have people talking about what's going to happen. And you're like, none of this happened. <laughs> You know, like yeah. of, uh, I, I love the Marvel Age books and love the Marvel Age annuals because they're always like, and coming up this year, and for like three years running, they're like, and then Anne Shanti and Art Adams are reuniting for a long shot graphic novel. Mm. No, they didn't. <laughs> right, right. And I've always wondered, like, was that even written? Mm-hmm. Like, how far did that get? Right. You know. Yeah. Before it it fell apart. Before, before it just because again, it shows up year after year in the Marvel Age things. So clearly, mm-hmm. like. 
really intended to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another fun, fun thing that is in one of those Marvel Age things is, um, what's it called? Star Wars, Dark Empire, the mm-hmm. Camp Camp page series shows mm-hmm. up in a Marvel thing that's coming from Epic. Oh, wow. And then eventually yeah. ended up popping up under Dark Horse. Yeah. For the funniest reason. Do you know how it ended up there? No. So Marvel apparently just decided that it wasn't cost effective to publish a Star Wars comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Lucasfilm gave the rights to Tom Fage. Wow. Really? To Dark Horse, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yep. Huh. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> Absolutely crazy now, right? Just right. Think about that. Yeah, just, apart, just be like, he, yeah, we're giving it to this guy. You know. Well, apparently he'd been working on Dark Empire for a while. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And Lucasfilm were just like, we trust him. Right. Like, you can take it to whatever publisher you want, but it's yours to, to basically dispose of. Wow. And a pre-existing relationship with Dark Horse, and that's how it ended up there. I was about to say, that's that's my, that's my that's very, that's an impressive relationship, I gotta say. That is something. You know, Graham, I tell you what, I actually do remember something now, and I just double-checked it, that is something that you told me more or less off-air, but Years before you started (laughs) doing the teasing, uh, the whatnots with the something off air. It is, it's 13 years old. So I'd like to think that I could probably share it. Um, And what's great is chances are good that if you don't want it shared after the fact. Like scream, we can just like censor it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So here, here is some from like 2009 wow okay yeah i'm and excited it it and, is and it's, it's tea about like a project it's a it's about a project it's about a project that got published something that someone told you that you did not put uh in the article <gasps> i'm wondering if this is what it is but if it is you definitely can't say it but okay okay so I'm curious. All right. So we'll we'll see. Should I? Should I? Maybe I should no, no, check. No, no, no. Say, say it, and then all right. Can say it. You interviewed Jeff Johns. Oh, it's definitely not that. Then yeah. Okay, good. And Jeff Johns told you that he was that he didn't really particularly want to write Flash Rebirth. He'd been more or less assigned to it by Dan DiDio, and so. No, you know. no, 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 no. You're thinking of you're thinking of much later, and you're thinking of DC Universe Rebirth, and you're thinking about he didn't want to do the the brightest day relaunch of Flash. I think. Okay, if you say so. My my understanding, because you know he did Green Lantern Rebirth, and yeah, of course yeah, yeah, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. huge. Yeah. Final Crisis. They bring back Barry Allen, and and Jeff Johns ends up writing it, and he. He told you he wasn't particularly invested in Barry Allen as a character. He was more or less writing it because the Dio wanted him to do it as, you know, quote unquote, the rebirth guy. I mean, so. that sounds that sounds very Jeff. Mm-hmm. I just remember him saying something similar about the brightest day. Right. Which I guess spins out of, of Flash Rebirth. So mm-hmm. maybe again, maybe this is just my brain being faulty. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. But uh, I am not going to. Well, no, this is really funny. This is coming up in relation to to uh, 
things I could not say, but I'm now going to send Jeff in chat to read the thing I thought he was going to say. Oh, which is going to be Because it also relates to someone you know is the thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I bet I know what it is. Well, maybe I, maybe I don't. Oh, it's still typing. Um, <laughs> Talk about yourselves. There you go. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't even... I did not think... I. You know, that's funny. That's where, no. that's where I thought you were going with that. Um, no. All I'm going to say, because again, we're not even vaguely saying that is, it is relatively like creator gossipy. Yeah. Um, but also, it's someone that Jeff knows. Therefore, you can also start to eliminate people. Yeah. In fact, I thought I told that to you because I remember no, hearing I, I, that. I, I had it in an email. Oh, yeah. that's fine. See, that's I, it. I'm totally like, you could say that and people would be like, oh, okay. Whereas if it was like one of their like longer, more extended runs, people would be like, oh, holy shit. Oh, no, 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 no. It, it was very much something that uh, at the time they said, yeah, you know. They said they were doing it for cynical purposes. In in you know retrospect, they probably were. Yeah, so they well, yeah. Even worse for people. Uh, Brian McCormick asks because I'm changing the subject. Before oh. you guys finish, can I ask if you're able to recommend any other shows that you listen to about comics? At present, I listen to House of Sonic and Mango Splaining, but nothing else gives me the weekly hit of industry news that I get from Wade Watts. See the industry news. Yeah, like, um, I feel like you really gave us a leg up there, Graham. I'm I'm sorry. Or you're welcome. <laughs> I, I don't know which which one it is. Uh, right. House of Sonic. Honestly, I would say House of Sonic and Silence. But I'm not sure either of them gives industry news per se. I feel like I mean, House, House of Astonish, Astonish would does, discuss yeah. stuff. Yeah, I, th- I yeah, thought yeah, so as yeah. well. Yeah. So House of Sonic manga splaining. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait because I think is it Matthew has a uh, like and, though, if you, is, if I like not... this I'll listen to this. Yeah, kind of this, this is not the first time. This is not the only time someone asks this question. I should say. Yeah, so I'll circle back to it because I feel like I had one that was pretty well tailored, but uh, but yeah, House to Astonish and Manga Splaining are pretty much the ones that I I were I was prepping to push forward anyway. So but silence, silence, and silence. Yeah, also silence fabulous. Yeah, Jeff, you can read a question. Yes, uh, Stephen Conway asks. Here's a question for the Q and A. What is the best comic you've read because of the podcast that you probably wouldn't have read otherwise? Either because one of you recommended it, or one one the projects, or for one of the projects, oh for yeah, one of the like projects, a, like a Baxter Building or an Avengers, or right? A, a, a right. And if I can add a follow up, what's the worst comic you've read because of the podcast? I don't think it's because of the podcast, but the worst comic I've read because of Jeff was um, Taro. <laughs> which, Rose or whatever. which yeah. wasn't the podcast that was that was you and hibbs yeah 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 we used like, to read it everywhere it, to do it. yeah basically yeah it's five, a five stunner it's, it's what's it is it called tarot which of the black rose am i making that up no i think that's right i think that's it's right. jim ballon comic tarot i yeah. can't remember the subtitle it's really yeah. terrible yeah. um what's the best what's the best comic I, I mean, I've got a couple. Oh shit! You, you know, what I think it might be. I don't know if it's because if it's because of the podcast because you recommended it otherwise. Uh huh. Um, Yatsuba. Oh, yeah, Yatsuba. I definitely talked about it here, but I don't. I I would be shocked if you read it because of my recommendation. That's for sure. And maybe I can't remember if I read it because of the podcast or read it because it was like in the Eisner pile that year. Mm-hmm. But my brother's husband was was. Oh, that was definitely not me. You, I, in fact, I, I still haven't read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. 
which I've been meaning to, um, but you recommended but, back to me. Yeah, I, I, I oh, Death Note again. That's that's pre podcast because that was definitely San Francisco. Oh, was but it? Death, oh, okay, Death yeah, Note I was a huge Death, Death Note yeah. booster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost, almost like any manga I have read is because of Jeff. Hee hee. So, oh yeah, I was gonna say it sounds like a joke, but it's not. It's it's completely true. If like, if yeah. I'm reading manga, chances are it's because you've recommended it. Yeah, exactly. And, and I can't. Like, I'm fairly sure it's it's because of the podcast. I would hope so. That would be wonderful. I'll take that as a win. For me, I definitely know that, I mean, the the one that looms the largest, I think, of course, is is reading All That Dread for Drock um, and, and realizing reading 40 volumes of it for a character that I sort of knew. And, you know, I had I had gotten a digital subscription for 2000 AD that I kept on with it about a year or so and it was it was okay but i was kind of like nah, 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 nah. so being able to see stuff that just blew my mind that was fabulous um our both our avengers read through and our ff read through brought me to uh runs that i had not read and so mm-hmm. for example the the roger stern run of avengers um that's post 200 is, Which is just amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that's that's a lot of fun. I have fond memories of it. I'm so glad I got to read. Uh, I'm not sure if Engelhart's FF would have hit the same way if I just picked it up, like mm-hmm. kind of as a run, dipped into it. But in sequence with everything else that follows through with it, it's breathtaking. And I have to say, I have extraordinarily fond memories even though we bitched and whined all the way through it, the Tom DeFalco, Paul Neary yeah. stuff. Just... I, I was just thinking that as well. Like, I, I don't think I'd necessarily call them good comics, but I'm also really glad that I read them. Yeah, yeah. That you know, after process. years of sort of dancing around the periphery or reading issues, but never going like, you know, from start to finish, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I found myself like really appreciating the run yeah. as a whole, even as I hated it. Yeah. You know, because I did. I, I really didn't enjoy those comics, but... Mm-hmm. But I'm also glad that I have read them. Yeah. Um, there's a number of DC comics that you recommended. <laughs> that I, Name a Tom I, King one. On you go. Name a Tom uh, King one for the No, worst. no, 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 no. Because, I mean, that's it. I think you got me hooked on Tom King for that Future's End Nightwing, which is one that you mentioned on the podcast. And that was, that was extraordinarily good. So I was actually a... a pretty strong you were, you were, yeah you were very into grayson yeah grayson yeah was your thing i remember exactly so i was i was i was pretty hepped about king and then ran really as you know hot and cold on the the batman stuff but again that was batman <gasps> i was reading it yeah spoilers i read the first issue of danger street of course you have here's here's graham with another graham moment and what did what did you think I I'm really glad it's coming out in December because it means you can talk about it on the podcast. Ooh, that's exciting. Okay, fabulous. Um, and then and support me... more Jeff. I'll fucking buy it for you because I want to hear you talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> ah, that's that's okay. I think I could probably pick it up. I have to say, as someone who loved the the whole first issue special reprints, um, that that is kind of a. a, a it was it's it's on the list and also the artist who's the artist from Rorschach is yeah. 
fucking phenomenal. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that really is one of those. Uh, and so, yeah, so there's, there's a variety of, of DC books that I sort of should hold against you, but it's been so long that I really honestly don't remember where you were like, yeah, no, I'm reading this and I like it. And then I read it. I'm like, this is terrible. And you're like, yeah, no, I said, I liked it, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, no no that that is a very me thing i'm not saying it's good i'm just saying i liked it <laughs> so yeah so there's there's definitely that um so i'm trying to think i know that i also feel like man there's got to be a worst comic that we read but ah i i have to say that that there was a patch of avengers um that I when I think it's even either before or after John Basima comes on. Uh, it's not Basima's run, but it's like Thomas and maybe it's Don Heck or maybe it's Stanley Don Heck and then transition to Roy Thomas Don Heck, and everyone are just dicks. And it's that was that was actually so many bad issues of Avengers that was kind of a bummer, uh, especially in the first hundred issues or so, like a huge chunk of the first hundred issues of Avengers just stink to an extent that made me like practically angry. So I think that, I think, I think I'll, I think I'll go with that. So Adam Nave asks, which two characters in both Marvel and DC would host their universes versions of Wait Watts and why? There's also a small catch. You must pick each other's characters in each universe, but not tell the other. Yes. Okay, Graham. So, do you, want me to go first? Do you want to go first? Let's make this happen. You tell me who you picked for me and wait what for the DC universe, and then wait, I'll well, tell I, you. I, I can't tell you the pairs because I picked pairs. Oh, okay. You can go with pairs. Okay. Um, in Marvel, it's Howard the Duck and Rick Jones. Oh, nice. And That's it's, great. It's Perry White and Bibble. <laughs> you know what's weird? I picked other Superman characters too. And uh, of course we did. Okay, so Marvel, who's it for you? You know, honestly, Marvel, I had like the hardest time picking it. I actually was like, oh, it's going to be a dollar bill and Richard Rory, which just struck me as like kind of. <laughs> so wait, which one am I? Uh, you're going to be Richard Rory because you were actually an entertainment personality, and I was just a bearded, failed film student. So, um, although come to think of a dollar bill, then that goes does, on does to make Richard a movie. Rory- but also, doesn't Richard Rory end up going evil? Uh, I mean, who knows? I didn't. I, last I saw, it looked like he was banging She-Hulk in like David Anthony Croft's run, and I was like, "Whoa, that's a little weird." And then I lost track after that. But I hope he probably not. went evil. It's it's Marvel. Uh, okay, and, and DC. Uh, DC. So here's how it was. I was. I had thought from the way Graham had said, uh, Graham, where Adam had said, like you must pitch pick each other's characters in each universe, but not tell the other. Yeah, I, so I, I thought we I, were going to have to be like, Oh, okay. So my thing was like, okay, I'm going to pick you as Superman and hope you pick me as Batman. And then we could be the world's finest podcast. I've, right? okay, I've got to be honest. I did really, really come close to picking you as Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> oh, I picked you as Jimmy Olsen and me as ambush bug. <laughs> I was like, so the Perry white and Bibbo didn't work, but I'm like Jimmy Olsen because you work in the media and ambush bug because he's basically a, a shit poster, and so I, I got to be bug. So yeah, and okay, I thought see, oh, I, it's very funny. For, it's Superman for me, oriented. You were Howard the Duck. That makes sense. Yeah, and you're Rick uh, Jones. And I was Rick Jones. Uh, 
but you're Bar- Perry White and I am Bibble. <laughs> hmm. Like I said, I think I prefer the Jimmy Olsen, uh, you know, <laughs> your positive strange mishaps happen to you. And again, work in the media. No one seems to really know what you do. Uh, and I and, <laughs> to, and ambush to be fair, Yes. <laughs> right. So, I, again, I think that's a good pick. But then when it came time to Marvel, I'm like, ah, shit. Shit, shit, shit. Honestly, U.S. Howard the Duck came immediately. Which is great. I'm actually... I was almost going to say Howard the Duck and Man Thing. <laughs> you're, you're not Man Thing. I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to think. Maybe maybe Impossible Man and Doctor Doom. I don't know. You'd be Impossible Man, I'd be Doctor Doom. I don't know. I think we both want to be Doctor do Doom. You could definitely do some good Doom like uh, pronouncements. I feel, I feel like I have. I feel like I have. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So. Like I think I think you've got the Latvian despot in you. Yeah, I think I think so as well. But honestly, Howard the Duck, uh I'm both I'm both flattered and I think that it's uh I think it's on point if nothing else because of the large number of episodes I've recorded without wearing pants. So, I think You're that, also trapped in a world you never made. That is true without pants. So, without, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dan White asks, "Can you talk about the exact moment that you two really clicked as friends? That moment when you realize someone is fucking ace and that there's a good chance that you'll be in each other's orbit for a long time?" Not exactly, but yeah. mm-hmm. First of all, do you do you have that exact moment? Do you remember that exact moment? Cuz I can remember something that happened after that. That mm-hmm. like was like oh this person's like I don't know like it it elevated you past that if that makes sense oh, oh okay um no I mean I I sort of remember and this might tie into I think another Dan question which is sort of how we ended up hanging together but yeah. um but I I, d- I genuinely don't remember when we really clicked as friends yeah right? I, I'm, yeah. Hang out, comic experience. Right. Right? Like, because you, I was going to say you worked there, but you didn't work there by the time I was there. Like, you, but, like, you'd come into the store. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that's right. Yeah. I I don't know, because, I mean. Because you weren't working there then. No, no. Comics experience. So, so I was, I was, of course, as you know, I was writing news, newsletter because Mm -hmm. I was the fanboy rampage of Earth 2. And um, then you started writing Fanboy Rampage and both Hibs and I were like, oh man, it'd be great if we could work for the newsletter. He's local. And so I I feel like I was behind the counter one of the few times you yeah, came I in. Did, yeah, maybe maybe one of the first couple of times, but definitely when I started to get to know you, you weren't working there. Oh, that could be. It could have been after. No, we'll see, I, and I remember, that's it. I remember yeah. explicitly like you would come in like, because it was, it was Hibs and Rob at that point. And it was hmm. only hips and up at that point. Hmm. 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 Well, I maybe I just never saw you work. I think that's more. You... That's more the point. Because okay, I only that's... worked Fridays, and so it was yeah. really I, rare I, that I, you would I, come I in. in there. I want to say yeah. Tuesdays up in there. Yeah, that would make sense. Tuesdays right. or Wednesdays. Yeah. Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but but that's no. The point I remember. Like, beyond clicking as friends. Because, like, we clicked as friends years and years ago, like, by this point. Mm-hmm. But um, 
I will make references, and you'll know you'll know the more of the backstory that I'm going to say on the podcast. Right. There was a point um, where I accidentally destroyed an air conditioner. Mm. Oh God. Um, yeah. And it did not go down well with mm-hmm. my wife at the time. Shall mm-hmm. we say? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that left me a complete like emotional wreck. And mm-hmm. it happened just before we were doing a podcast. Right. Like just before. Either the mm-hmm. day before or like hours before. Because mm-hmm. I remember talking to you about it and it just happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember you, not your response to it that night per se, but like mm-hmm. a week or two later, mm-hmm. you were checking in on it because you'd, you'd, like, you'd heard how upset mm-hmm. I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, not about the, the, the uh, air conditioner. But mm-hmm. about the aftermath of it. Yeah. That yeah. Was when, I was, when I was like, okay, like, you know, this is more than just best friends. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, I remember that really, really, really clearly. Oh, I'm I'm glad. No, there was definitely, there was definitely kind of uh, a period, like you said, I feel like we had hit, we hit friend status relatively quickly because I think you're, you're, uh, pretty agreeable. I also feel like, for the most part, we've got like similar <laughs> senses agreeable. of humor. Um, yeah, but I, I think like we were friends pr- pretty early because both of us like to make each other laugh. Exactly, exactly. So I and 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 so I think I think that was a factor. But then, um, you know, a big to me a big turning point, ironically, was I think it was like at a comics experience anniversary party or something where basically Edie and Kate started talking. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then afterwards Kate was like, yeah, you should have them over for dinner. They're great. And so I really felt like I kind of got into the inner sanctum through Edie and Kate where, you know, Edie's great, but Kate, Kate and Edie really did get along. We all, the four of us really did get along very well, which is why it was so, um, uh, uh, like a weird and abrupt that suddenly you guys were not going to be a couple anymore. And even when we were sort of like, what kind of relationship are we going to be able to have with the people separately? It more or less was kind of easy. You kind of got us in the divorce basically. So <laughs> You kind of got um, you got custody I, I, of like, Jeff and I, I, I remember like we went beyond like acquaintances into friends mm-hmm. when you guys weirdly enough would come over to watch Battlestar Galactica. That's right, exactly, exactly. That was the one where I kind of feel like it was like, oh, let's come over and watch Battlestar Galactica, yeah. and we'd have dinner and we'd all talk. We and are fucking and eat. nerds. We are yeah. fucking <laughs> nerds. for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was that again. That was you guys in San Francisco. So we were pretty close yeah. by the time you, but by the time you left, left. yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is, I mean, which is really was basically an excuse to keep talking. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Right. And again, really I don't know if it's really true or not, but I seem to remember me being like, yeah, we should do a podcast. And you're like, yeah, it'd be a great idea. And it wasn't until David Brothers like shamed you into buying a headset that you actually got a headset. Again, and then I was like, I okay, rem- now we have to do it. I don't remember that, but that, that feels entirely appropriate. Right. Like everything, exactly. everything about that feels real. I just don't remember it. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, there, so yeah, friends, I'm not quite sure when the best friend thing is, but there was definitely sort of the best friend 2.0 thing where it sort of felt like we both were going through 
It was when shit started happening, like when yeah. things started going started going badly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we were both like supportive to each other. I think yeah. that was the point where it was like, oh, more than just best friends. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. Um, and especially for me, at least, like I didn't really tell you how bad things were for mm-hmm. a long time, and yet mm-hmm. you picked up on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And like that's that's what mattered. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm glad. It definitely was one of those things where you you kept because this is kind of what you do. I think you're such an intensely loyal person. Um and I, and I kept a lot I like I kept a lot of the bad shit to myself. To yourself and even trying to hide it from yourself. And so yeah, you yeah. would tell yeah. me these stories and be like, "Oh yeah." Ha, 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 ha. And I'd be kind of like, "Yeah, you know, like, you know yeah, that's, that's not, not okay, right? That, yeah, that's, that's really bad. And I'd be like, no, it's going to be fine. It's fine. Yeah, It's yeah. all fine. You're right. Uh, exactly. And like, you know, I knew it wasn't fine. But yeah. like I said, like it really was like, no, like just not not going to deal, not going to share it. Yeah. Um, but the fact that you were like, you know, that's not okay, like was mm-hmm. was important, you know? No, I'm glad. I'm glad. Because it really was. I was sort of like, ah, he needs to hear this so and similarly (laughs) i feel like there was a lot of dark knight of the soul stuff where telling you about things where either was work or writing or my attempts to get somewhere with my writing and just just general uh frustrations and malaise and failures and um and you were similarly just always incredibly um incredibly supportive you know so um, and I also feel like it hasn't happened too often, but there have been one or two times. I remember one time where I was really upset with you and I told you and you were kind of like, oh, OK, yeah, I, I I can see that. And I apologize. And we worked through it. And then the one time where I knew you were really upset with me and I was like, I'm really sorry, Graham. And you're like, I'm it's OK, Jeff. I don't get angry. I just get disappointed, which was immeasurably <laughs> worse. Oh my God, that was so bad. Where I was like, ah, I'm not even going to really be able to apologize my way out of it. It's just going to be like Graham being like. If, if it helps, Jen, I don't remember this. So it's, mm-hmm. you're clearly forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad. I'm really glad. It's also something I can't talk about on air. Uh, moving on. It, on a less soppy note, if you had to, each of you had to force the other into doing a podcast about something that you love and that they hate, what would it be? Um, shitty reality television. Right, you would make me do shitty reality television, and I would make you read all of Stephen King's books and talk about them with me. So, oh my god, see, I I would almost do that. I I know almost is an operative word, but no, Here, that no, here's the thing. I would at least do at least do one book and see how it went. Oh, that's good to know. Okay, so and of course everyone knows about uh uh Hello Newman. The uh, the 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 Randy Newman podcast that I think that we should do. So I love that you've given that name. <laughs> I was that's it's it's naming's an important part of the process, Graham. It's 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 the it, any self actualization expert will tell you it's super important. So, um, Patch and Mortimer comes. It's yeah. it's not a it's not even a, a question. I just had to include it. I take we one week off to catch up my library books, and you retire on me. Like, just, <laughs> like, like it's kind of a question. I just wanted to include it because it's funny. Yeah, 
Patch and Papa. Yeah, I was going to say, there are real questions coming up. So, Brian McCormick again. Can you share with us your favorite comic book critics, journalists, podcasters? No, nope, um, because I work with a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, that's that is true. I guess I can sort of talk about it. I mean, there's there's Graham, of course. Um, I I really there there was kind of that um, heyday of uh, Travis Bickle where um, Laura Wynn and uh, Tucker Stone were talking about movies, and I actually still like reading Tucker on both movies and comics. Uh, tremendous amount um joe mcculloch under jog of course everyone uh digs him i'm as everyone knows i'm hugely in the tank for abbey and uh i think abbey is is just fantastic as a comic book critic um uh and then yeah journalists i mean honestly i mean it's it's graham and graham pretty much works with <laughs> the other Journal comics journalists that has managed to hang in there. Chris Arant are both, um, you know, you guys are are pretty much, in a way, sort of the last. We're, we're the lifers, standing. yeah, yeah. I do wish sometimes, in a way, like although I I feel like I had a, uh, a, to say I had a complicated relationship with him really talks suggest talk, sort of is the parasocial nature of it, which is to say he barely seemed to acknowledge I was alive, which is fine. But I do think that Tom Spurgeon was wrote some excellent stuff on comics. And I do part of me wishes that someone was putting together a book of his essays um, to be published. Cause I think, I think that would be fabulous. As far as I know, I think the site's still up, but I have no idea how anyone could go in there and just sort of root around and find the best stuff. So it'd be great if there was someone that was really an advocate for him. Um, Brian's other question, unless, uh, I, I unless you have someone quickly, I uh, mm -hmm. like we're, we're uh, recording this just like, uh, like three years after Tom's death. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like Tom yeah. died. Wow. In it was definitely November, uh, November 13th at the age of 50, Jeff. Yeah, no, I know. I remember cause yeah. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, that's still. Oh, boy. Yep. Um, if you had continued to podcast, did you have plans for your next long read through after Drock? Uh, I want to know what you're going to answer because I have an answer and I don't know if I don't know if you have the same answer, which is what I'm curious about. Um, I, I sort of assumed that we had maybe we had for me. It was like we did Marvel and then we, of course, did did Dread. And so for me, I, I thought it would be super important to read um, something from DC. Legion of Superheroes made the most sense to me because I yeah, feel that, like... that's what I remembered. I remember that we were going to do Legion, which is going to upset so many people because multiple people not only asked that question, but yeah. specifically were like, if you say you're going to do Legion, I'm going to be mad. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, it's, it's worth pointing out, though, that we had before we had the conversation about about stopping mm -hmm. we had had a conversation about we were going to catch up with the case files and then we're going to keep truck going for about six months that's right yeah and we're going to read post case files books yeah uh, which we're doing and that we're doing day of chaos next month but right. we we're going to do day of chaos we were going to do origins we were going to Tour do duties small house uh, trifecta, yeah, small house, trifecta and, and a bunch yeah. of those as well mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. Which which is not happening, but yeah, we Drock was going to continue through like the middle of next year, and then yeah. we like we 
I, I'm glad you did remember Legion because I was I remembered it as Legion, but for some reason I also remembered that you were like I don't know, uh, <laughs> and like hedging bets. Oh really? Hmm. Well, yeah. that could that could be. There was also a thing where um, Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, is uh, who I think we'll talk about a little later on on these questions had specifically from the cosmic realm sent a special envoy. More or less requesting that we read for, for, for five years later. Yeah, well, there's five years later, which we did read. Um, but then another request was like because it had been several years, and it really was that kind of thing where uh, uh, the Empress can pretty much demand whatever she wants. Oh, yeah, she no, wants. no, we fucking owe the Empress uh, big time. Yeah, <laughs> and so and so they were like, yeah, um, read all of Jonathan Hickman's Marvel work you know, and talk about it. Or at least the Fantastic Four, but it'd be even better if you read all of the Marvel work because it all ties together. It does all tie together. So yeah, at yeah, least exactly. Up through, like, um, Secret Wars. Yeah, which yeah. honestly is a great idea for a project. I really did not want to do it, so I'm I'm kind of glad <laughs> in that regard that we're sort of ducking out. It's, it's um, one of those things, right, because I don't think either of us would have necessarily enjoyed it, but I also... Again, would have appreciated it because I think we would have made connections. That yeah, we I think so. Yeah, I think so as well. Get, like piecemeal. Right. You know, we'd yeah. be like, oh, I can appreciate what, what Hickman did. I just don't find – like it's like it's not my flavor, right? Right, yeah. Um, I think Legion could have been fun. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, I think Legion would have I been very think, fun. I also think there's so much Legion yeah. that we would have burned out on it. Yeah, I mean, and that's like, it. We only did when we did the Avengers. We did three hundred issues when we stopped. When we did Fantastic Four, we did the first volume, which is just over four hundred. But even yeah. that, I think we were starting to burn out on on. Oh God, on yeah, Fantastic yeah. Four. You know, yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. like Legion. You know, I don't know when we would have stopped, right? Because mm -hmm. like to me, it makes sense going if we start at the start, then we should have continued like up until five years later and then stopped. Yeah, and that makes sense to me, and that's a huge. Be like, chunk. oh, five years later. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Well, uh, but that was the plan. That was yeah. the plan. Yep. Uh, and final question: Can we have a year-end uh, best of list from you guys? I, I'm going to say I'll have sure. one, but I don't think I'll have one until the final episode. So yeah, I, I think it's probably going to be final episode as well. Um. It might be in the past. I've always sort of done it based on the, the top tens I've done for for work. Right. And I'm not doing a top ten for work this year. Which wow, is wow, that's crazy. surprising that you're not doing it's, one for pop. It's kind of crazy. Uh, huh. Pop first. We've all put forward our favorite comic, our favorite movie, and our favorite TV show of mm. the year, mm -hmm. and it's coming out as group lists. Right. Um, right. And like everyone, I think I've said already what my favorite comic of the year is here. Um, so so that's not a surprise but yeah I, i'll probably do a, a a best of list that's not like ranked or anything but just like oh shit you guys have you read this like so yes. what was the best comic because i think i know but oh, i'm not ducks. sure okay then we're in the same page yeah we both yeah. for people who are wondering ducks by a year in the the oil sands by kate beaton absolutely yeah, yeah. fucking phenomenal uh yeah. along similar lines uh jeff did you read the new zoe thurgood i did not. just come out from image Mm -mm. You should. Yeah? Yeah. I'm really going to be curious what you think about it. Okay. Okay. I will, I will try and get a hold like, of that. Like, yeah. I, I think I think that's something you want to pick up before the end of the year. Okay. Right. That, sounds, that sounds good. Jonathan Sapsid. 
says right. when Graham this is my favorite question. Graham didn't emphatically say genuinely when reviewing something, was he lying? Yes. <laughs> uh, who is Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy? I'm just leaving it to Jeff. Who is Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, and what does she really do? Jeff tells you every single fucking week. I I do, but I think for people who maybe want the actual story behind the story, which I think is is fair. I mean, I, I think we can kind of give it away now. Yeah, to, I think so. To a degree, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, a mutual friend of ours uh, who knew both of us in San Francisco, um, when we started the Patreon relatively early on, um, they pledged some uh, a crazily big amount of money. Yeah, and I, 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 uh, we both felt nervous amount of money. To the point where where I I basically said like I think he is I think we're I, being I think pranked we're being a yeah 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 uh, we're being pranked and it's like uh, kinda you know but 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 essentially no so what what happened is and I've I've seen this person since it's been very wonderful one of the things that was great is is uh, he was very like I'm very excited that um basically that I get to hear two of my friends have a conversation and, and it's almost like talking to you guys without, you know, I'm not actually part of it, but I can just sort of sit back and enjoy it. So, uh, Audrey is the cat where we were kind of like, well, okay, we want to thank you on every episode. And it, they were like, I'm not really comfortable with that, but you can, you can thank my cat. So, I don't remember how quickly or why we emperor why Audrey ended up both an empress and the queen of the galaxy, but it seems. I, to I think that was work. like I think that was really early. I mean, you might yeah. have done it immediately, to be honest. Yeah, I think so. I think so, and I don't remember. And it, it sort of grew. It sort of grew because it, like Empress Audrey got more and more responsibilities. Yes, I definitely. Seem to remember, and I might be wrong. The Queen of the Galaxy was basically a, a ceremonial only. <laughs> ceremonial, exactly. There were no and real point, job at duties. Some point, Empress Audrey really did become Queen of the Galaxy with actual responsibility. A- yeah, was actually actively looking out for us. So that that's that. And then Jonathan's final question: Why don't you pay some sound monkey to do the editing with the Patreon money and carry on? That's an Excellent question, and it is one that I tried to solve about a year or two ago. Yeah, so, yeah. So secrets, secrets behind the podcast. We almost stopped like two years ago or mm-hmm. a year and a half ago because, again, like for honestly, for the same reasons we are stopping this time. Yeah, which is to say, like it's it's a it's a heavier workload than you think, and it really is all in the back load. Mm-hmm. Right? It's mm-hmm. all it's all in the back end of the, the thing. Yeah. Um, there was a point where you in particular were really feeling it. Yeah. Or really, really, really badly feeling it. Mm-hmm. And we did have, we had a, a fairly extended conversation mm-hmm. about, well, what's the solution to this? Right. Um, do we stop? Do we find someone else to edit? Mm-hmm. Um, and we, didn't like we couldn't find yeah yeah you know and, and part of it is at least on my end um i think it would be odd for one of a better way of putting it to have someone else edit this mm. uh because we are relatively loose mm-hmm. but there's also i think an explicit understanding or an implicit understanding you should say between the two of us that we know what we cut yeah if if we go too loopy right yeah, yeah. 
Um, like the drops are actually more heavily edited than it seems. Yes, you do a great uh, job with in that. Part, but in part because there are times where like one or both of us go down a rabbit hole that mm-hmm. ultimately doesn't lead anywhere. And yeah. this will come as a shock to people who listen to Drog and think that we do that anyway. Right. Really, there really are times where I've cut like 20 minutes to half an hour out of Drog. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, because we really did like just go off on a tangent. Mm-hmm. that led nowhere and wasn't even and more importantly led nowhere but also wasn't interesting or amusing right 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 because like mm-hmm. we can go off on tangents that have no you know uh external value educationally yeah but if they make us laugh then great keep them in right but there's also times where you know one of us will be like you know this reminds me of and then we won't even remember what it's called for five minutes <laughs> Like that's happened, right? Right. No, that, totally. That's happened. Totally. Where, like we reference something, or we reference something and then realize, like in referencing it, that we're wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and and I think there's an understanding for both of us of what's worth keeping in and what's not in those cases. Because again, oh. sometimes it's funny. Right. Well, see, that's <laughs> it. I, I'm like, it's it's. So I think I think Graham. It brings up a good point, uh, and at the at the risk of utterly undermining it, I think that for for <laughs> myself for myself there were there's a couple of factors, and one of them is part of why it takes me so long to edit is I don't I do the show notes uh, more or less at, at the same time, and sometimes I'll include me digging up links and all the other stuff, and the like. It'd be one thing if we dropped the audio editing and then I think we still have to listen to it and then make the show notes. But for me, but I also, I remove a lot of the gaps in the spaces, not, not all of them, um, but I shorten them because there are times where we both um, pause oh, or we think pause. Yeah, for if, chunks. If we, one, one thing we genuinely should put up uh, an episode that we do not edit. Oh wow! Yeah, that'd be interesting. Uh, yeah, just because it's very funny, it's really possible that everyone would be like, hey, "It didn't sound that different," right? But I, I know that you and I both lessen the pauses. We got rid yeah. of a lot of ums. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm very prone to going, uh, yeah, and then starting a sentence. Cut, cut those out. There's usually yeah. a period after the first hour where Graham will get uh, his throat will get really dry, and so there's more tisking at the beginning of his sentences. And yes, I'll, I'll cut. There's a also chunk of those also out. Sometimes where like you'll hear me like audibly get tired and then come back into it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, there is like it'd be funny to edit to release an episode unedited sometimes. Yeah. Like maybe the last episode we put out unedited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe leave something in the comments now. If we put out the last episode with basically no show notes on unedited, are you guys okay with that? Because that could be kind of funny. That would be kind of I think they'd probably be okay. I hope so. But if not, definitely, yeah, let me know. So anyway, so there was the other thing that I think is when you and I started recording, it was like something crazy. Like we would talk on like Wednesday or Thursday every night. Maybe it's Thursday. And then... It was Thursday. uh, It was definitely Thursday. and, And then I would... I would work my ass off to get it um, edited on Sunday to have it up by Monday morning. Um, yes. Cause my schedule was like f- 
right? You I don't remember. You used to work on four days a week or three days a week? Three days a week. And so it would be Friday, Saturday, and Monday. So Sunday would be this insane. I would try and get everything. Um, and eventually I think, oh, you know what? Maybe it was Friday, Saturday, Tuesday. Is That's it. And I think, I think that was right. where it fell. Yeah. And then... So a lot of times I would edit on Sunday or maybe Monday and then have it up either first thing. So I think it used to be really reoccurring that I would have it Tuesday morning. And the number of times where I I would fuck up the RSS feed and people couldn't access the episodes, but I'd be at work uh, and just sweating my ass off was that happened too many times. Also, there would be like these weird long gaps where we would talk on Thursday and then crazy news would break, but we wouldn't talk until yes. Tuesday. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so. Yeah, no, no. Like, I remember splitting it because it used to be. Um, we used to record on Thursdays. Yeah. And then I can't remember if we switched to Saturday because your schedule changed or just because I became busier. Um, well, you got busier, but my schedule changed because I used to work Saturday nights. And then, see, that's the weird thing is I was working Saturdays up until I took on this manager's job. But I thought I yeah, had yeah, been yeah. editing this longer. Did I come? I didn't come home on, on Saturday night and then we would talk. I, I can't imagine. Jesus, God, I have no idea how I had enough brain power for that. But I think you're right. I think I did. Um, but one thing I did like is that we would talk Saturday and then I usually have the episode up by Sunday night. Um, and and that that really helped it feel very, much more um, of the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I yeah. really felt hey, like we could do was, stuff that was, was more up to date. Thing, there was yeah. this weird thing where we, if when we were doing it on Thursday – we kind of felt like we couldn't be too topical mm-hmm. because it would be it would be significantly later when it went up. Yeah, um, and there was a number of times where we were like, "Ah, who knows if you know News X will ever happen?" And then that would happen the day after we record, which means by the time that we released it, it had happened two days earlier. You know, one of the things and, that's amazing in the early episodes, like in our first ten episodes, uh, Disney announces that it buy, it's going to buy Marvel, so that. Wow, happened. that dates it considerably, right? Right? Like, that's really early on. So, like, one of our episodes is kind of like, how's this going to, what's going to happen? How's that going to affect mm-hmm. Marvel and what they're doing? Um, so, I think I think we yeah. were pretty pretty good about it for the most part, about nailing <laughs> that. But, um, but uh, yeah, so, and that was the so other thing. Was, that, sorry. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, the, there were a number of, factors one was just trying to find anyone that would genuinely commit to it like we would get people who are kind of like oh yeah no i totally i'd love to help you out and then when you would talk to them the basically they couldn't really they were like yeah i can turn that around within a week and i was like we can't we 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 need it yeah. faster than a yeah. week yeah no no you know? yeah we, we a week a week does not work for us yeah but that was so. the, that was the thing it also it did come down to the oh we basically need to turn around overnight yeah right and understandably you know? most people are like you're not paying me enough to do that in fact i'm not even really sure you're paying me yeah. are with you, these are numbers you yeah yeah right so so ultimately it just kind of came back on us. So uh so that was it. Couldn't couldn't really no one wanted to put up with uh us and really who can blame them. So um I think that covers that. Dan Billings asks, what aspect of your life do you think would be drastically different if you never got into comics? Um my entire life would be different. Yeah, me too. Job. 
Yeah, you really no, I wouldn't. wouldn't. I, like, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have the job I have. Yeah. No. Utterly. Utterly. I mean, it doesn't get. It doesn't get any bigger than that, right? So, um, yeah. I. I don't know. I mean, I. I kind of feel like. Um, yeah, com- comics was such a central defining element for me at a crucial point in my childhood and then just kind of remained it was it was never the only focus but it always remained such a a huge focus and the thing that is wild is just kind of again i to the extent that i sometimes have a hand wringing about leaving the podcast i think some of my hand wringing a few years earlier were sort of assuaged by the idea that graham was like look even if we stop podcasting we're still going to be talking all the time and that was something that i i genuinely was worried about and then uh i find myself like oh if this ends like kind of losing a lot of the relationships that i have that i've built up like there's 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 been some really awesome wonderful moments in my life due to comics and especially this podcast that i'm incredibly grateful for and i just really feel like um yeah so it's it's i hate to say it but it's unimaginable and that's not just because my imagination is atrophied from decades of reading superhero comics <laughs> no it's it just... is like i it, like I, my life would be 100 percent different yeah like in, entirely i i would have to i genuinely don't know because like it was reading comics as a kid that made me want to draw, which is what made me go to art school. So like you're going like all the way back to me being in like high school, right? Right. If right. I'm not reading comics, then what are my interests? Right. You know, like I I I, I cannot I gen that's a that's a question I genuinely can't answer. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, and then Dan Billings uh, said uh, his follow up question is what's the best way for someone to meet their Graham or Jeff? Also, Dan, I do have to say, I owe I owe so many people letters that we'll get to. People didn't actually ask questions, but just wanted to thank us or say how much we had helped them or the hours and the appreciation. And and Dan and, is uh, is like definitely jokes, one of those people. Off. Yeah, yeah, completely. So, yeah. Um, what's the best way for someone to meet the grammar, Jeff? Uh, I would recommend going back like 20 odd years starting a po- <laughs> uh, starting a blog where you accidentally rip off the title of something <laughs> by your chef, uh, and then like having to like come face face to them and, and be like oh no um yeah. yeah i don't like what's what is the best way also i have to tell you this question is so sweet yeah isn't it I mean, Dan. I think Dan is um, just like, such like a genuinely, sweet guy. like, yeah, like it's so sweet to the point where I, uh, I mentioned this, this particular question to Chloe earlier today, mm-hmm. and Chloe was like, "That's the sweetest thing I've ever fucking heard," isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Uh, but it really is. It's 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 such a like it's it's again it, it like this question makes me for clams, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, what is the best way? I don't fucking know. Well, I mean, I I think. So I think there's two ways to to look at it, Dan. I do think that one of the ways that did happen was Graham and I both kind of pursued our passions and then our paths crossed. And so I think that that is actually 
one of the ways like like you if you have your passion and you sort of tend it and cultivate it that's one thing if you try and do something with it and you kind of try and put it out there in whatever way like there's a lot of people who who met one another kind of during that that flowering of of comics blogging and i feel like i was doing it over at the savage critic Graham started doing it on his own uh, at Fanboy Rampage and just was like kind of an immediate sensation. But there, there's, there's like a half dozen people that, um, uh, that we met that, that I consider, um, friends that are people who were like kind of, if nothing else, if they, you know, we're talking about comics, we're trying to get their, their thoughts and their words and their ideas out there. Um, it's worth mentioning this is still November and back in November of 2001, um, I did a uh, for the first time, National Novel Writing Month. And I, of course, had written all kinds of stuff, was writing newsletters, had written short stories, had always wanted to write a novel, never managed to make that happen. And it was post 9-11. I was going to Europe for the very first time with some friends and I heard about National Novel Writing Month for November. And I was like, shit, I'm going to be gone for like the first 10 days of this. And so I actually wrote the person who uh, organized it. I was like, what do you think I should do? Do you think I should not do this or should I should I do this? And, you know, because it sounds so exciting and goofy and fun. And they're, they're, they were like, my advice is don't do it. If you're going to be traveling for the first 10 days and you're not going to be able to hit those word things, you'll just be buried because the idea is you've just got to write 1600 words uh, every day, basically on average. So like if you miss 10 days, that's the first 16,000 words. Um, so don't do it. And then I did so, and, and the, the going to the big, cause it was focused in San Francisco Bay area at that point. Um, there was a big, thank God it's over party on December 1st, uh, 2001. I had a tremendous head cold. I was working that night until 8 PM. I think I, I did. I had, had this huge, just completely, um, congested thing and you're supposed to go as a character from your novel. Uh, and I and I, I was like, I got to go because this was just the most amazing thing in my life. And I went and um, and uh, one of the people that I met there was someone who had not who was there to basically support uh, their friend who had uh, participated in NaNoWriMo, wanted to go to the after party, but had broken up with her boyfriend who had also gone to NaNoWriMo. So the their you know, the person who didn't participate went to the party as their plus one to sort of provide the emotional support. Um, and I started talking to that person and, uh, we've been married for what, 17 years now. So, I mean, that's, I think to me, that's kind of a very roundabout way of, of saying like, if you go after, if you really do put yourself out there, it is amazing. I mean, I say that chances are good. You'll, you know, you could well meet Robert Kirkman and be incredibly exploited by him and, you know, have to consider, you know, threaten lawsuits in order to get anything like compensation for your, uh, illegally stolen intellectual property. But Hey, that's comics, right? So I, I'm, so I'm a big fan of, I'm a big fan of being, having a good contract lawyer and just putting yourself out there. Cause I think 
that I think that's a good answer, do you think? I mean, it's kind of long, of course. I entirely sincerely love that your what's the best way for someone to meet their grammar, Jeff, was how you bet ED. Yes. And I'm well, not, I'm not, no, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm, I'm genuinely love that. I, I would say like two, two I've, of the I've, most important I've, people I've I, in my life. Yeah. No, no. Of the question. Yeah. It's, it's I, true. Like, I like gave a, gave a better answer. I kind of was like, I'll do you one better practically. Well, and I mean, let's face it. I mean, your, your partner is also impressively comic centric. Like you're, you're yeah, in a, no, you're, real. yeah. yeah and no, so no, it's, it's, like I, I I do think that saying uh you know it sounds like so hippieish, but like saying yes to your passions mm-hmm. and putting yourself out there, uh you know, don't get me wrong, can lead to absolute shit in your life. You don't see, you know, countless yes. examples of, mm-hmm. of comic creators and, and critics for that matter, who's yeah. who's who have had shitty times because of it. But you know, it also can work out. Yeah. You know, and at least if you're putting yourself out there and you're being authentic about it, then they're going to see who you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think that's it. That's a, that's an excellent summation. Graham. Um, Ed C asks, what was the drama with Matt Fraction? It happened before I started listening. Ed, all of our episodes are up on the RSS feed. That's all I have to say. Like, really? <laughs> we did not pull that episode. So, I mean, if you want to hear it in painful real time, I think it's almost worth it. Because, unfortunately, I feel like our answer now has to understandably be more politic. And I guess that's the, the simplest way to put it. We were not especially politic. One of the things that I find baffling is the idea that any comics pro listens to us, but it also doesn't necessarily surprise me because I think there's so little media that's out there that people are going to be like, you know, you put something out in the world and you kind of do want to see some kind of reaction. And I remember writing for Savage Critic and very much being like, I want to write something so that the person just knows like, this is, this is what didn't work for me and why. Um, but so so we we talked about people and we talked about people and their place in the industry and how um they I, I think I think it's fair to say like we arguably speculated a bit too broadly about someone's personal life. Yeah, I think that I think that's an accurate way to say it. And um uh, and, and a bit too uh freely. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I I think I I, 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 and I think I was particularly guilty of this more, much more than you. Um, I don't know about that. Maybe. I, but I feel that I, I feel that there was, I was like, well, if you look at this, he's right. clearly saying this about his life. Right. Uh, in a way that like was, again, was, was far too broad and, and a, none of my fucking business, but B was maybe saying more about what was going on in my head than I realized. Absolutely. Um, yeah. uh, to the point where, like, you know, Bonos calls us on it, rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of people who were like, hey, I'm really uncomfortable with this. And they were just, they were just listeners. And, and I think right. they had, yeah, they, I think that <laughs> they were. 
They were right. But then there was also some other people who were um, a little little higher up in the industry being like, hey. Maybe don't. Yeah, maybe don't. So that's basically it. We really, we really overstepped things. And it was, we were, it was, it was a really good learning event for us. What's very funny I was also wondering if that was about like, I was going to say my drama with Ed, with my fraction, which is more my fraction's drama with me, right? <laughs> right. It's entirely one way, but yeah. um, which is an entirely separate thing, like an entirely separate thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. That, and that can basically be be uh, put down to Matt doesn't like me. Well, I mean, yeah, it's so I mean, funny, Graham. You totally. St- I had everything all in place, which really was the. I like I was be like, and we weren't professional, and da 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 da. We learned a lot of good lessons, and I was just gonna wait for a beat and go. And Matt Fraction is a fucking crybaby, and um, <laughs> oh lord, yeah. So I don't know. I'm hopefully he's not listening. Other people aren't listening. Your joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Freddy Cat on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. Wow. Are we saying the same thing? Uh, super obvious question, but nonetheless, I'd love to know what your absolute must-read recommendations are, no matter how mainstream or ubiquitous they may already be. Jeff, you have three. Go. Ah, fuck you. Three? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, three. Absolute must-read recommendations are, yeah. no matter how mainstream or ubiquitous they may already be. Fuck. Ed Campbell's Alec. That's a good one. Yeah, sure. Um... Mm. Jason Shiga's Demon. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it because I think, I think there's a lot of fucking awesome stuff in Jason Shiga's Demon. But I also think that it is, for me, like Death Note, which is a fucking fabulous manga that may or may not kind of lost its way in certain parts, in part because of compromise. But the thing that's crazy is if you look at Death Note. And you look at Demon, you totally see, to me, Jason Shiga took took the things that, that powered and drove Death Note and turned it into, to me, replicating that success while also um, drawing like Jason Shiga. Not drawing like a professional manga artist, not publishing it in a weekly manga magazine uh not doing all these things in a support network so it looks ultimately utterly unlike death note in every way in particular but to me uh i find demon uh just undeniably uh inspiring um because i think that although like not everyone can do it because i think that shiga is is uh kind of a real genius in some very uh, amazing formalist ways that allow him to power through, you know, the thing that you're kind of look like you're reading something that a, a an elementary school person drew in the back of their notebook, a talented elementary school person, student, mind you. But, but, you know, it's pretty rudimentary compared to the, the, the slick um, style of something like Death Note but absolutely manages to craft a, a narrative that is both a million times more absurd, but equally compelling. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to make a big, huge case for that. Um, I, uh, I, Kurt, Kirby's Omakishu one. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think we had talked about this. I'm going to go, I'm going to agree with that. Um, 
you know, and part of me is like, maybe we should do ducks a year in the oil sands. I don't know. I always worry. Sometimes you, you, you advocate for something and it's five years later and you're like, oh, why? Why did I? You know? Okay. But you it's... can go for ducks and I'm going to go for something that's a couple of years old. Uh, the River at Night by Kevin Huizenga. Oh, you fucker. Yeah. Kevin Huizenga's work is just, just fabulous. We really could be here all night. I'm like... Love and Rockets by the oh, Hernandez yeah. brothers, yeah, like, you know? I like what Jaime's been in the last few years. Ooh, it's, it's yeah, but building like, up to is, that, man. Just yeah, yeah, which, you know, it's give us a power, but, like, if you only are going to read, like, you know, three Love and Rockets things, right. then go for, like, the most recent stuff where he's just been fucking killing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, no, we could. We could do an, we could do absolute must-read recommendation. Like, I'm surprised neither of us mentioned Morrison, to be honest. Well, um I I mean, that's it. You kind of go for three. And so part of me is like, I'm going to like, part of me is like going really obscure. Like one of my huge passions this year has been Chiaro Furu, which is like 35 volumes in and hasn't even ended yet. And so it's very hard for me to be like, oh yeah, like totally drop everything you read. That's a life changer. But I think, I think it's uh, extraordinary at, at every level, basically. Um, and part of me is like, and I'm sure it's going to live up to that by the time it finishes, but I don't know. And I also sometimes feel that thing of if this question had been asked, like, I don't know, like 10 years ago, maybe I would have been like, oh, Scott Pilgrim, absolutely, hands down. And now I'm kind of like, eh, uh, uh, in many yeah, ways, I like. Some of the stuff that I say about Jason Chiga's Demon is absolutely a lot of the stuff that I think I would have said about. Uh, Scott Pilgrim because O'Malley just really did do fucking phenomenal stuff of taking a whole bunch of influences and turning it into a, a thing that was so categorically him and managed to speak out to everybody. Uh, that's pretty, that's still pretty extraordinary, but I do find myself being kind of like, but uh, eh, yeah, like uh, when was the last thing you read Scott Pilgrim, right? It's been it's been a while, and frankly, I tried to. I I was like, oh, like you know, because Oni has all these sales. I think I picked them up colored digitally, because uh, I was like, I I only had I had all the black and white originals. I think most of them are signed by him, and they're I haven't gotten rid of them. I don't know how I ever could, but but yeah, I got the color ones. I'm like, I'm gonna boy, I'm gonna read this. This I'm gonna just read the shit out of this, and. uh I was kind of like, mm, I don't know, you know, like, me, yeah. And I don't know if it's Fair. that. Scott Pilgrim does not start well. Well, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it at the time, I thought it was fabulous. It goes on in a way to get much better. But yeah. I, I just, you know, I think there was a lot of... Yeah, there's just there's just a lot of weird invisible strikes there that I have a really tough time with. So I think that's it. So so again, yeah, I feel like those things like change and grow over time. But yeah, I, you know, it's really and hard. Honestly, for they us probably to shoot right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I do think there's something to be said for for your absolute must read recommendations switching or growing or, or evolving like I, I think ducks is a really really safe bet to be honest because again yeah. you and i were both like not only bowled over like it stuck with us for a long time afterwards oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um I, I there's just so much that's there i think like kevin huzinga is kind of that that sort of 
or when you talk about Eddie Campbell, I, I feel like there's a lot of, so here's the thing, Freddy Cat. The the thing that I learned from working in a comic book store is the trick to telling someone what their what a must read recommendation is is finding out what you like and then recommending things based off that. And I think yes, that that yes, one hundred percent. Because the because they're the great thing about comics is it is such a wide open field that you know like. I could be like, my life has been changed uh, infinitely and for the better by reading Hookjaw, a, you know, from a a, a comic about a a killer shark with a a hook stuck in his jaw. And it's just not going to land for you quite the same way that it it lands for me. But like, I, I can read that and I'm like, the entire world is in this, is in this muddy black and white printed on bog standard paper uh strip mm-hmm. and i adore mm-hmm. it so mm-hmm. so yeah that really is like we we could go on forever I mean, and still really never could, list like, oh, something that you would hit would yeah. yeah 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 so right. feel free to email us if you want at wait what podcast at gmail.com and talk about a couple of things you like and i'll see what i can do right so uh, Bender. How, how are you going to spend all your non, new non-podcasting time? We oh. talked about that when you were here. Yeah, we did. We totally did. I don't remember what we, we said, but uh, I, I know. I can remember what we said. Yeah. Because specifically we were talking about what you were going to do because we were having a conversation about our reading habits. Yes. And okay, we so were I talking did. about how our reading habits have been shaped by the podcast yeah. to a degree. Yeah. Yours more than mine, I think, because mine are also shaped by my job right right because i feel the the uh the need to stay up on on what's happening in contemporary comics right mm-hmm. and also like i get i get previews like i said right like i read industry i read the last issue of, of dark crisis and infant earths which hey. is, i have to tell you i got uh, uh over by by tc and they were like you can say publicly you've read it and you can't say what you think of it wow <laughs> Goods, but you can't say you've read it because um, they don't want spoilers out there, obviously. Right. Uh, but it was just like I, I thought that was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> I've read last issue. What do you think of it? Uh, tell you in two weeks. You know. It's just, right. It's, as they pointed out, it's like going to see a movie, and you can't really say what you said. You can say like, you know, I saw blah 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 early, but you can't give a review of it. Um, but no, like my reading is still shaped by my job. But you specifically were saying that you were hoping. Uh, to get back into prose and to get back into sort of long form stuff, yeah, that you've been struggling with, not because of the podcast per se, but because of life. But it's also, you know, because of the podcast, you find that when you're reading, you mm-hmm. you find yourself going towards something you can talk about on the podcast versus something else. Yeah, there's just there is there's a degree of uh, COVID totally destroyed my kind of already flimsy attachment to to long form prose uh and and i just i just did not have the attention span during the catastrophe to keep at it and i'm really aware that i need to get those muscles back and they're super valuable so in a perfect world my new non-podcasting time would be spent um reading watching uh, a few more movies because i also feel like there are times where i'm like i can't commit to two hours uh uh and also because because i'm gaining like 
five or six hours every Sunday, probably more gardening, more walking the pug, more more stuff that that you know is 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 really wonderful and and is part of the reason why as much as I really do love I love talking to Graham and I love putting it out there and there's also times where I feel like because I've got a thing where I can tell Graham what I think and he and I can you know bounce ideas back and forth or I can come up with some crazy theory and then put it out there and then get some feedback from people in the world who listen I kind of find myself feeling less um, competitive in conversations. Like it's very easy for me to just kind of let other people talk because I feel like I've got such an outlet here. And I will be curious to see if that continues to stay. But, you know, I do think that one of my early jokes with with Graham, which is like, I'm so tired of having opinions, uh, is is really true. I'm so looking forward to not having an opinion and kind of being like, Hey, if I don't, I don't, I don't have to worry about it, you know? Um, and that's, that's been a, that's been sort of an interesting voyage. I'm really grateful about. You also, um, teased that you might start writing more again. And I am really excited about that. I'm really excited about that. What not? I've read Jeff's novel. And I fucking love Jeff's novel. And Jeff doesn't believe me that I love Jeff's novel. No, no, I no, no. I do Jeff's believe novel. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I've read, I've read multiple novels by you. I was about to say, I'm shocked that you read the second one. And that's always been a moment. Wait, what it's is, been the, what is hard. the second one? What do you mean? Well, How you... are you trying the second one? Because I can't remember which order I read them in. Oh, you definitely read the um, the unpublished uh, Sniper book first. And then you tried yeah, reading... which I really like. Yes, I know. And lots of people do. And they're like, they get angry at me and be like, why isn't this, why isn't this in the stores yet? I'm like, I'm trying. <laughs> I sent it to multiple agents and multiple editors and people who pitched me. And at one, at one point I came so close and then it was gone. And it just never, and it just never, I don't think it'll ever happen. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I could, I could try going the self-publishing route with that one. Um, and it's hard. It's also at this point, I'm like, oh man, I wrote it such a long time ago. And it's about a whole, it's like, I'd have to almost do it as a historical novel where it's like, people are like, huh, 2006, huh? Interesting choice. You know, so. <laughs> do it. No, yeah. I think you should do it. I, I like, I think it's really fucking good. Anyway, I want you to write more. I, well, I thank you. Thank you. Uh, and I'm, and I appreciate it. I'm, I'm so glad, you know, you, now you said Chloe got you to read the other one, right? Is that yes. true or no? Yeah, which no, yeah, and yeah. I've I've never had the nerve to ask her what she thought of it because I'm, I'm. Oh, you have to. That's a conversation that has to happen. Uh, but and I will also hopefully we'll get to because again we've like I totally was like we're going to get through all of these. It's one hour forty one, and we're like halfway through the questions. So we have to fucking. Pick we didn't up. start time. We didn't start answering them until an hour in, though. So I mean, that's kind of on us. So I think I, know, I think so, we'll be able. But still. Yeah. Right. Um, anyway, I think there's a perfect venue for that conversation to happen, but we'll get there soon enough. Yeah. That's, oh, sorry. That's about, we did just ask that sort of question. Yeah. Peter Lavinia, uh, what do you think DC and Marvel could do to improve their general quality of their superhero comics, if anything, over the long term? Well, I... I, do, I don't yeah. know the answer to that, because I think that, um, like, I'm liking a lot of DC and Marvel superhero comics right now. Mm. 
Um, you know, I think I actually think that the quality as someone who who dips his toes in now, thanks to streaming stuff, um, quality is really good. I think uh, for both of them, I think that Marvel, in its sort of weird, compromised way, has a good way of bringing up talent and keeping talent and. You know, like there's just a handful of people that are really good there. And I think there's a lot of really good uh, things happening over at DC. That being said, I am firmly convinced that the best way that they can help out their superhero comics over the long term and improve the general quality is allow, give creators uh, participation rights and the ability to create characters and and have some sort of co-ownership or certainly some sort of heavy royalties. Cause I, I genuinely think that whenever there's that, like both, both DC and Marvel are um, more or less like they begin relying on characters that are more and more quote unquote recent. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's times mm-hmm. where it's like, and those are because that's from the last gasp of people that created stuff, either because it was being, um, uh, you know, just, just people misunderstood the situation or they need to have it in there. I think it's really remarkable and noteworthy that James Tinian created a slew of new characters for Batman. And those characters, I'm, genuinely got really well received and are yes, new yeah, yeah. new characters in new books. And as far as I can tell, if I understand things right, more or less were created uh, kind of on the fly because uh, his plans more or less had been approved and then shot down and he had to rejuggle and reconfigure. And so he started patching it up with characters that could suit his purposes Um and the reaction to them has been sort of shockingly strong. And to me, that is that the the three or four characters it would not surprise me if 10 years from now, Punchline's got her own comic or Ghost Hunter Punchline or, has or her whatever. own comic now. Well, I know, but no, but I mean like has her own comic that is as big as say the heights of Harley Quinn's comic or there is sure. the punchline movie or there's the ghost hunter movie and and uh, and people really respond to those characters because they're just they're they're of the they're of the time like you can reinvent the wheel and reinvent the wheel and reinvent the wheel but at a certain point that char- that that thing is so smooth it's just a widget you know and i and i think that that is just the nature of things both dc and marvel are these extended long continuity universes that i think part of the reason why they lasted long is like every 15 to 20 years or you know in marvel at its heyday every three to five years people were coming in and just throwing a ton of new characters in the mix and then people are like nah you know this character sold crap but you know now we're seeing Deathlock, the Demolisher, of the movie. You know, so well, that's funny my when answer. You started say, when you started saying that, I was like, I'm not sure people want to see the new characters. But then, honestly, you, you probably convinced me. Oh, um, okay. uh, so yes, I will. I will just say yes. What Jeff said, uh, <laughs> I do think. I do think, like even 
putting aside the new characters that aren't new characters, I mm-hmm. think uh, coming up with a better way to to involve creators in the financial success of titles mm-hmm. would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, and this will never happen for obvious reasons, but finding new ways for creators to be the authors of the works. And I don't mm-hmm. mean that in an ownership sense, but I mean it in the sense of like, they have a run that's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm-hmm. You know, when mm-hmm. I think about, honestly, when I think about like Tom King's stuff, which I like, and you, you know, you, you, for the most part, are ambivalent about. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think they've done right is Batman aside, it's been King and an artist. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's not like King and Seven Artists. Well, I mean, honestly, right? even like, even like Batman was designed and reads as one huge overarching arch, right? So, I mean, yeah, but, 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 but I mean, yeah, but I, I specifically mean like you know, Human Target is is King and Greg Smallwood, Rorschach is King right. and and, and uh, uh, Fornes, Jorge, right? or Fornes, right? Yeah. Uh, as opposed to like you know, Jason Aaron is for better or worse your mileage may vary like the author of the current avengers run right but had i mean i genuinely lost track of the number of artists that have been in that book completely the point where it doesn't feel like a coherent work at all absolutely yep you know and i do think that having that that oh so you mean the artists you mean in the artist artist sense of the term okay yeah i agree absolutely that 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 is very true yeah yeah yeah. i'm sorry Mm -hmm. right um, I think that would also be something that would help. Yeah. Um, and also getting creators outside of the the norm. I th- I think that the I think that uh, the vast majority of superhero creators grew up in superhero comics, and sometimes that's a little bit too visible. Mm. Hmm. And having people who think outside the norm, I think, would be would be a good thing. Right. Right. Talking of that, Thomas Williams says, what did you think of Bendis' run at DC? <laughs> um, I feel like he went with big plans and just never had the chance to do them. I have a feeling his plans were diverted by whatever Snyder was given at the time, making it similar to Jeff John's ending. Announced post-DC work feels like a commandy pitch that never happened. Uh, I don't know what the last part is referring to. Mm. I think Bendis' run on DC was... Ultimately unfulfilling. I thought Bendis did a great Superman. Really did. I thought Wonder Comics fizzled really badly, but I think that has a lot more to do with DC and a lot less to do with Bendis. And I think in general that's true of Bendis' run. I think Bendis went... One clearly had big plans and had the backing of the publisher and then didn't. Because I think that when I say backing the publisher, I think I'm specifically referring to Dan DiDio. Right. And then Dan DiDio wasn't there anymore. Yeah. I think there's a chunk of that. It's interesting to me. I really, uh, I, I mean, I will give Bendis a lot of credit in the sense of he very much um, went in, like Wonder Comics is actually a, a really good, idea he good good point is he did take the work of other people whose work that he liked and tried to put them out there and so you know mark russell on wonder twins is just a great example of that but to me bendis's greatest accomplishment at dc is 
Matt Fraction and Steve Lieber's Jimmy Olsen series. Like that was, yeah. that never would have happened if it wasn't for Bendis going at DC and more or less saying like, yeah, you got to give these guys their a book and, and, and they really delivered. And it was, it was fabulous. It was some of the best comics. Bendis himself, I, all of the, all of the things that I saw him do at Marvel that made me not like him or trust him, sadly, as a creator, I saw him immediately start doing, um, at, at DC on Superman. And the thing that killed me was, it, it was, it was the same thing that happened at Marvel. Most of the time, most, it, most of the time, I loved his character work and, completely felt jerked around on just about everything else. And so I just, I, I didn't have, I didn't have a lot of patience for it. And it, as far as I can tell, like you said, Dan DiDio, once Dan DiDio was gone, but frankly, I think, I think Bendis was getting paid incredibly well and was, you know, and was not delivering the numbers. And I, I mean, I was not a big booster on, I thought it was crazy that he was getting hired away and coming to DC and people were acting like, oh, that's great. You know, actually I take it back also his little really fun Batman romp that he did for the yeah, Walmart cars. Batman universe, so Batman great. universe is, so great. is great. Um, so yeah, not a total miss. Cause I feel like Bendis has so many things that are enjoyable about him, but I also, I, I, I am, I have no patience, uh, or I, like I said, there's no trust for me on that, that guy. So, um, it's just, I feel like I just got burned one too many times. So, and I did, I don't even think I really got burned that much. So a follow up question. question. The, yeah. Sorry. Given the podcast fates, what are your favorite endings or retirements in comics, film, or TV? Um, I, um, I'm hoping that Jeff and I end this podcast like Peter Capaldi's last Doctor Who episode. <laughs> I'm only being slightly sarcastic because I love his final speech. Oh, really? Like, I, I, I think, like, pre-regeneration speeches in Doctor Who tend to be, like, a mess. And mm-hmm. to be fair, I think Capaldi's is a mess as well. But Capaldi's is a mess in such a way that, like, it completely chimes with my understanding of the character. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, yep. Give give the whole never be cowardly like never be cruel speech. Yes, that's mm. it. I'm not joking. Every time I see that, uh, it makes me almost cry. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. That's great. Uh, for me, I think I think my favorite endings are. I mean, it sounds cliche, but Sopranos and second season of Fleabag. Man, I can still watch second, second season, season of Fleabag. Of Fleabag. You, yeah, you and I were talking about that last week. The ending of Fleabag is perfect. Yeah, Honestly, absolutely. The ending of the first season of Flea, Fleabag is perfect as well. It is, but in a more demolishing way, I think. So. Yeah, but like the, the very end, the very end with the bank manager. Oh, yeah, that is true. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. I got, I'm going to have to, you're going to make me go back and watch so, the first season. So great. Yeah. So great. Yeah. Um, um say, like the very ending flea back then of the second season is mm-hmm. heartbreaking and perfect. Yeah. Yeah. This and heartbreaking so not even in a sad way per se. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's heartbreakingly right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like yeah, you and I were just saying last week we'd just be re watching Fleabag. Yeah. Um so now elsewhere, obviously the real end of this podcast is going to be revealed that we are in the snow globe. Which I'm only into because uh, 
of how it'll link us up with everything else connected to the snow globe verse, um, which I think is what Dwayne McDuffie pointed out, which I think is a, is a wonderful little thing. So. Patrick Gaffney asks, uh, Jeff, I'm going to ask these and you can answer. It's going to be call and response. You ready? Sure. Why? Godless universe, Patrick. Do you hate me? I don't, but Graham has, he talks disparagingly of you often. <laughs> what were you considering your follow-up to draw? Well, we said that. Yeah. If the answer to number three was Legion, <laughs> and I'm going to ask, do you hate me? Which I yeah. love. Um, the real number four, Graham, what happened to your newsletter? I was enjoying it and it stopped. Uh, serious legit answer is, I got a job with Botverse and there's an uncompete clause. Yeah. Um, th- also, this is true. There was a last issue of the newsletter that was supposed to go out and review the, the service that I, I did the newsletter on. Uh-huh. Um, just crashed and it never went out. Really? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, because reviews on my Twitter, I kind of feel like I need to go in and like save all the archives. Of yeah, that. you really should. Yeah, like I was like, away. oh shit. Yeah, you get um, that now. Yeah, there, was, there, there was a never sent last issue of the newsletter. That's great. Uh, where I talked about where I talked about getting like the the poppers gig, yeah, mm. Mm, mm, mm. Um, yeah, and then it just it just never gets sent. And then by the time like that it was up, basically again, uh, I was working for poppers and my uncle beat kicked him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, your podcast will be missed by I guess the five bucks a month back in my pocket again. Good luck in all you all that you guys do. Huh. Thanks, Patrick. And Jeff's like joking. I I do not refer to you disparagingly. No, it is very true. It's absolutely true. It's Chad Nevitt who says, given event season is coming to an end, my particular fondness for them and shelf does just did its countdown of the greatest events of all time. What are your favorite comic book events and why is the only right answer to the Infinity Gauntlet? Um, that last part of that is a lie. It's not, Graham. It is. Uh, I, you know as well as I do. In fact, all the us know that I think Millennium's fucking great. I think DC One Million is great, and I got to be honest, I think Judgment Day this year from Marvel has been really fucking good. Hmm. Like, I think Judgment Day has been is up there with my favorite crossover events. Wow, that's impressive. That's great. How good is that? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, favorite comic book events. I definitely, I'm a huge fan of the Infinity Gauntlet. Um. And see, this okay, is it. I have I have a question to ask about this. Sure. When you say that, are you a fan of the event or are you a fan of the series? Huh? So... Like, it's a crossover event, right? Yeah. So I'm asking, do you like the six issues called the Infinity Gauntlet? Or do you like the entire Infinity Gauntlet event with all the crossovers? But see, this is the thing that I think is great about comic book events is for the... Only what you read counts. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you can dip in or dip out. I think one of the things that's great about... Okay, so there's two things. I think I think if Chad had asked, like, what are, I don't know, the biggest comic book events or the most successful comic book events, I you know, I would say that the Infinity Gauntlet is hands down the most successful comic book event. And that is because it is the comic book event that more or less got made into two movies, both of which ended up being like among the top money makers of all time. So it's a crossover event where the idea, the like so much of the essence 
of it ends up being translated into another medium and overwriting everything. And I, I think the crisis on infinite earths, interestingly enough, while the, one of the more important events, one could almost argue it was quite possibly one of the least successful events in the sense of everything that it set out to do. It actually could be said accomplished the opposite, which is crisis on infinite earths was such the victim of its own success that DC has been kind of locked in its orbit ever since. Yeah. Right. And which is, which was precisely what Wolfman and Perez were trying to more or less stop. So I, so I think that, uh, so that's my thing. I actually really do like the infinity gauntlet. I would, it's getting to the point where I would, I, I wouldn't give up a limb, but I, I, fucking want dc to collect millennium and it drives me nuts that they yeah i i genuinely don't, don't. know why they haven't yeah um, they don't uh outside from the fact that if you do millennium without the crossovers millennium's really fucking weird well yeah but i mean well, again millennium, sort of like the nature of rare, events yeah no yeah. But millennium is that rare crossover event where you actually need to crossover books that is true main series on its own is basically seen a series of people going hi i've just come in from russia where i met a manhunter and man that was crazy i'm gonna go to china now to collect one of the chosen and then it's issue they come back and they're like why don't you get one of the chosen you wouldn't believe what happens i got shot at i'm gonna go and fight a manhunter again but i'm gonna do underground and that's that's basically the entire season a series apart from when they get all the chosen together and then you get steve engelhart being cosmic which is a fucking joy yeah. But um, it it would read so strangely without the crossovers, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you really do get them saying things like, "Well, there's only one thing we can do. We have to go and fight all the manhunters." And you're like, "Great, that's the, that's the story of the the series." Right. And then the next issue starts with them being like, "Well, we've blown up the manhunter planet." Yeah. Like it right. all happened in another book. Like right. all, it's so much of it. It's um. Like, I love DC 1 Million, which I think does really similar things, mm-hmm. but it remembers that it needs a core story in its own title. Right. Right? Yeah, which is, which is why Million, it's so crucial. They, yeah. Well, they, they cheat mm. because the Justice League story is in all the crossovers, mm. and the Justice story is what's in the main ser- series. So mm-hmm. you can at least that from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Right? But with the Millennium, you, if you didn't have the crossovers in there, like if it wasn't, you know, a massive omnibus... You would spend the entire time being like, but what actually happened? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a cliffhanger of, of Commissioner Gordon throws Batman out a window. And that's never, so, like, addressed again <laughs> the, the, the main series. <laughs> right? Yeah. Or you get yeah. them Lana Lang pulling open Clark's shirt uh, right. in, in Daily Planet. And again, not addressed in anywhere else in the main series. Mm. Like, Superman comes back and he's like, phew. Shit, get fucked up. <laughs> comes back and he's like, oh, don't even talk to me about Commissioner Gordon. But they don't actually explain it. Right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, Millennium, Millennium is would be difficult to collect. But like you, I I mean, they collected it in print. There's a Millennium collection in print. It's just not digital. Ah, fuck that, though. I mean, you know, they, I get it. Like, maybe I should go. I didn't out. know. Yeah, they put it out uh, when Secret Invasion came out. Oh really? Huh. They, put, they put out they put out Millennium and Invasion because Secret Invasion at Marvel is just Millennium and Invasion. 
Right. Which, yeah, exactly. Like it's the same story. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, beyond that, like, that, so that was, I guess, like 15 years ago, they put out the Millennium Trade. Mm. But, um, but they never, they've never released it digitally really weirdly enough. Yeah. It is, it is strange and frustrating. Um, other comic book events, I do think, since we mentioned Englehart, I actually love Englehart's big sweep on a lot of his stuff. I haven't reread it, but like the Millennium stuff was very much, in many ways, an, an outgrowth of what Englehart and Joe Stanton were doing on Green Lantern, which I... Which, which is I, fucking great. Which I loved. Uh, yeah. I loved Englehart's um, run on Avengers, and one could argue that the, the Kang thing, which more or less... For someone fighting a Time Master, they had to fight him, like, three times, essentially, over the course of, I don't know, like, 20 issues or something. That's a huge event that would count. Uh, Fantastic Four Annual Number 2, which is a self-contained story, but has everyone for the, the wedding of Reed and Sue Richards. I think that's that's one of my favorite events. And Multiversity. I love Multiversity. I think Multiversity is really Oh, good. yeah. Multiversity. Yeah. Multiversity. Seven, seven Soldiers seven is also fabulous yeah. as well. Yeah. I think so. Also a really, really good event. Right. Um, So those are pretty great. Um, I'll read Eric Roops. Who would win in a no-holds-barred knockdown drag-out fight? Jeff or Jeff's beard? Jeff's beard. I am... I I I think we have evidence of this, to be honest. Yeah, I think so. I think so. What are the lessons of the MCU, good and bad? Do you think anyone will learn those lessons uh, besides no? Um, how much longer do you think the MCU can sustain itself? Is collapse inevitable or could it keep going as long as Disney wants to keep funding it? So I, I lumped all those together because I feel like the MCU questions are um, are, are all are all of a piece. Um, and I'll, I, I don't know. I, I think. Yeah. No, no, no. You should I go. Say, I, I think the answer is the MCU is going to collapse and will also keep going as long as Disney wants to keep funding it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you could argue that MCU has actually already started to collapse. Just in uh, terms of uh, how coherent it is. Mm-hmm. And well, honestly, how good it is. I think the MCU is, is so broad now that it's not necessarily coherent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think we're you know if we're talking about phases because I think we've just finished phase four question right. mark I think we're going to get through the, the end of the Kang thing and then something is going to have to happen. Um, well, I mean, part of that I I do so I think that one of the things about the MCU that I think is 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 potentially a lesson is what essentially what happens when it starts dragging and 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 how do they fix that like the weird thing about the mcu is it's it's there have been very shockingly few failures and they're at levels where people could more or less dismiss them as lesser successes and so yeah i i'm not sure it's actually anything it fails for yeah and so and so i really i'm you know what i mean like i'm kind of like like I mean, nobody uh, financially, I should say, like creatively, yeah. I think you can point to a few failures at this point. Right, right, yeah, no, exactly. But like financially, and once you financially get it, like you know, if they build up to the whole Kang thing and whatever the version is, if they are going to go this direction of Kang and the multiverses and the big event that's going to be sort of like uh, 
the Infinity War, um, you know, but with Kang, if if people don't show up for that, I think that I think that that is probably going to be a huge sign. You know, it's interesting. Um, I was reading uh, Quentin Tarantino's book. I can't remember. It's like cinematic passions or oh yeah 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 you know i i I was just seeing someone talk about that the other day yeah yeah i just i pretty much uh finished reading it and um at one point one of the things that he talks about is he talks about the western and essentially how long the western was with us as a defining american genre and essentially how many people kind of hated it and wanted didn't wanted no part of it and were kind of relieved when the western more or less finally died in the seventies. And he was talking about dirty Harry. And of course the, the fact that Eastwood managed to escape, uh, going from Westerns to things, but he actually Tarantino has a footnote is kind of like, there are many people in Hollywood who are waiting for the superhero to film to, to essentially, uh, also fade out. And, and that's kind of, to me, that's a sobering thought because, the Western was around for a really, really long time. You know, I think, I think the thing about the MCU is um, it is a potentially genius uh, uh, perpetual motion machine of synergistic marketing, where essentially Mm -hmm. every movie that comes out is, is a sequel. Yeah, is a sequel. And so every movie that came before it is indirectly marketing for it. And it itself is indirectly, directly and indirectly prepping you for the next thing. So as long as you are a huge fan and you are in the ecosystem, like it just, it just builds. Like the fact that Wakanda Forever is open, huge, not as big as Black Panther, but, but for, uh, pandemic world like astonishingly big and that and weirdly weirdly opens less than doctor strange 2 which still blows my mind yeah that that i that doesn't surprise it's, me it, though i don't just um i think i think the mcu is fine until one of the films flops right and then at that point the perpetual motion machine breaks Stumbles, and yeah. Yeah, yeah and 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 at that point you can just have a chain effect where suddenly things that look like they're done deals and then don't happen, um, you know, and, and so uh, essentially I, I do wonder, sorry. Yeah, no, uh, I was just going to say, I think the, the big potential lesson of the MCU could be the fact that it ends up making um, Disney like billions and billions of dollars, but when it stops working, Disney is not going to know until it is poured like what? Yes, seven hundred million dollars down the drain or something. So what I was going to say is, I think when when the MCU starts failing, it's going to fail like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Which is to say, I think the fans knew before Lucasfilm knew mm-hmm. the Star Wars wasn't working in the big screen anymore, and it, it it's not like it lost money, but. Mm-hmm. Since what 2019, mm-hmm. there hasn't been a Star Wars film, mm-hmm. right? And there have been multiple Star Wars films that have been announced and then just all of a sudden are not happening anymore, right? And the next one keeps getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back, um, because 
I think something becomes so big that mm-hmm. when you get one flop, you suddenly get a lot of nervous people being like, well, what's the next step? Mm-hmm. What do we do? What do we do next? And like they start getting in their own way. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think that's going to be really interesting. I'm that we're going to get maybe not a flop, but I think we're going to get something happening in the next phase that's going to have the fans upset at it. And mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see A, what that is, and B, what Marvel does in response. Because part of me thinks, honestly, at this point, Marvel could just like keep their head down and be like, fuck it. I think they kind of have. I think, yeah, I, yeah, you know. I think Thunderbolts could be a risk. I think the next Ant-Man film could be a risk, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Fantastic Four is going to be a big risk. I think if you fuck Fantastic Four up, uh, it it could be the thing that, that makes people go, oh, do I need to keep watching these films? Right. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Right. One of the things um, that I think is – oh, sorry. Uh, I no, think no. the the lesson in a way about the MCU is weirdly they they actually have reinvented the old studio system in Hollywood. And I think that yeah. – um, but in ways that don't feel as oppressive. And I, it certainly seems like there are a lot of people that are really – excited by that you know i think that mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who are really into the idea of like oh i'm 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 in the mcu but the the idea of like oh i get to work with this guy and that guy or this person's on this thing and we all get to meet and 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 so there's a weird focus with more freedom than in some cases a lot of people were expecting uh i think I think the thing that sucks is that's at a super upper echelon. Um, the thing that always happens in Hollywood that, that isn't discussed is that happens while, you know, the quote unquote plebs, the below the line people are ground into dust. And so the stories that you hear about Marvel's just kind of horrific behavior with the digital effects houses, I yeah. think yeah. it'd be interesting to see if that ends up uh, also doing a damage to itself, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Speeding through the rest of our discussion because we're we're like two two and a half hours, so let's let's push, Jeff. Oh okay. um, What are the respective legacies of Dante on Joe Casada? Who do you think had a bigger impact on comic culture broadly defined? Casada, surely. I would think so. Uh, I would think so. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I. What are the respective leg- legacies? I think it would the deal. Sorry. Yeah. No. 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 You go. You have an answer. So. I was gonna say I think the deal, for better or worse, did get DC out of a certain. Uh, nostalgia isn't the right word. But uh, that mindset about the way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think, for better or for worse. Is doing an awful lot of lifting there, but I I I think that he I think that he really did. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that you you sort of look at what the deal brought to DC and and he he did things that you know Levitz would never have done. He did things oh, that Janet Can would never have done. Right, uh, and the two of them had basically been in charge of DC for like thirty years before him. Right. 
you know? And some of them are things that a lot of people hate, but it's also doing something new. Yeah, I think I think for me, I think the Dio has uh I think there's there's I wish that the the negative examples with the Dio it, it, like it like the bigger impact that people were kind of like, "Hey, you know what? Don't micromanage the creative talent so relentlessly." Um cuz I think the stories that you hear from the Dio about like Oh, this this series was being going one way, and then I basically got a call and told to do it exactly yeah, yeah. the opposite. You know, the, people having to flip flop, people having to turn themselves around. The Dio was not very apart from the few people that he was very good at making feel special, which were people that he appreciated. There were lots of stories of people who were like, "Yeah, I was treated in a really callous mm -hmm. and dehumanized mm -hmm. yeah. way." Um, and it would be nice if people had learned from that. I do think that DiDio had a very strong idea of more or less like find out what the fans are passionate about and engage them on it. Sometimes by like pushing them on it, upending that or overturning it. And sometimes in terms of like taking, taking it and, um, you know, kind of paying it back kind of deal, you know, but either way, I think there was a real idea of like, I feel that, I feel that he definitely did react to the audience to force the audience to react to DC in a way that, that had some uh, strong effects. Casada, I think Casada's thing is way more complicated and multivalent. Um, like you said, larger influence and also harder to break down. So I think we'll... Yeah, Cassad, I think, would take the... I've just said the rest of the podcast, but, you know... Yeah. It would take this entire lens so far and then some. Yeah. To be perfectly yeah. I think Cassad is, is a really complicated uh, impact in comic culture. Like, really dramatically. I think Cassad is one of the most uh, ultimately important figures in comic culture this century. Yeah. Yeah, or better right. and worse, and again, you know, yes, better and worse are doing a lot of uplifting yeah. in that. Uh, yeah. What is one lesson from manga that Marvel and DC could or should learn? End your fucking stories. Yeah, end your end your fucking stories and creative participation is is again, it's good. You know, um, I think there's also a lot to be said for there's a whole bunch of shit that manga still does. You know, every manga series that come every manga you know magazine that comes out that hits the stands and there's like a dozen of them are huge anthologies and there are surveys and they live and die by those surveys and they incentivize responding to those surveys and that's also something that really struck me about 2000 AD when it hit that period where I think it hit that sweet spot of it wasn't just relying on the traditional British um, comics genres that had happened before. They were trying to do something different, but they did also keep a careful eye and very um, actively solicited feedback. And then, and then I think guided from that. And I, I, I think both of those things are super important. Um, but yeah, 
you're right, Grant. Actually, endings are 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 big fucking deals, and it's something where manga allows the creators to go and crank through, you know, multiple series really, um, and uh, give you the idea that you're going to go in and get a beginning, middle, and end. So yeah, good answer, Paul Jossi. If Hypothetically, obviously, Marvel did a licensed Rockford Files series in 1975. What creative team would you put on it? I have an answer, but I want to hear yours first. Oh, I missed it. So the idea is that the Rockford Files was published in 1975? Yes. Marvel did a licensed Rockford Files series in 1975. What creative team would you put on it? Oh, I'll that let is you play the time by saying Steve Gerber and Gene Colan. Oh, that is fabulous. I would love that, but I happen to know for a fact that in 1975, if Marvel did do a licensed Rockford file series in it, um, it would be George Tuska and Bill Mantlo. And honestly, Tuska could do a pretty good job. I think Tuska could do actually a great one. The problem would be after he leaves after three issues and then you get Frank Robbins and then it doesn't quite work as well. So. That being said, I really did think like, oh, of course, you're going to do the Rockford file set in 1975 and Marvel's doing the series now, in which case for me, it would be, I think it would be Matt Fraction and Chris Samney, I think would be who I would do. Which would be great. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, which fictional band from movies, TV or comics do you wish was real and could see live? Ape Sex from Love uh, and Rockets. Yeah. The Carrie Nations from Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Ooh. And I, I feel like I put my money where my mouth is in that I bought that album after seeing the film. Oh, my <laughs> I, God. I love the music in that film so much. Yeah. Oh, Jeff, I love the music in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls a lot. Oh, that's great to know. Oh, well, <laughs> honestly, we'll have to talk about music some other time because I just had a thing where I was like, hoo, hoo, hoo. That being said, Steve Gerber mentions a, a punk band. Is it the Bizarros in like one of the... Um, in one of his like short lived, I think it is the Phantom Zone, uh, four issue limited series that he does. That that would be kind of fun, even though you get the sense Steve Gerber did not know what punk was at the time. So Roger Winston asks, "What jobs do the Earth Two versions of Jeff Graham and Chloe have?" And this is very funny. Actually, I'm not even sure what job Earth One Jeff has, other than some kind of manager at a law firm. Um, For the second Fleabag reference in this episode. In the second season of Fleabag, it emerges that no one knows what Fleabag's sister does. Yes. Which right. is one of my favorite jokes. Yeah. And I like to think that what you do is just like that. Yeah. That everyone thinks you do something else. And you're like, no, that that's not my job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all like, you're a liar, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, don't say what it is. Don't say what it is. Oh, I'm not. Well, because I got to tell you, the other thing, not unlike a flea bag sister, is I kind of open my eyes wide and say, like, I've explained it to you. And, like, I've actually had people that I've explained it to, and they actually do. I have to say, since she doesn't listen, um, the amount of crossover between um, uh, Fleabag's uh, stepmother and my stepmother is wonderful in terms of the amount of just passive aggressive dismissing. So I actually told her what I did. And then she actually told me later. I, yeah, I just tell people totally different position. And I was like, what? And she's like, I just didn't really understand what you did. So that makes sense to me. And I was like, that's great. 
Thank you. So anyway, very Olivia Coleman like I oh, she's like that whole thing where she's painting the two sisters and she's having Fleabag turn her back and she's like, Don't look around. Don't don't look. So Um But Earth Two versions, does that mean like we're older, I, I, but it's I, yeah, like I, after I, World I, War Two happened or Yeah, I'm one hundred percent working in a newspaper. I'm working the Daily Star. You totally are. You you're totally working the Daily Star. I am uh I am uh oh god, what's his name? Ah who's the creeper's alter ego? Why am I blocking on this? Oh Jack Ryder. I'm Jack Ryder's beleaguered production assistant. Um I love that. And I, I love think that very much. Chloe is the top wrestler in the wrestling in the female pro wrestling circuit. So not that different from their job in, in this time. Basically, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Same amount of powerlifting and shit talking, just but to, like in different um to different ends. Uh two. Okay, if you were, we're speeding through. We're speeding yeah. through, Jeff. Come on. We are, I'm trying. If you were James Gunn and given the task of reviving the DCEU, what would your first move be? I mean making the Doom Patrol TV show into a film. Oh, that's a nice one. Uh, you know, I honestly, I, I mean, for me, it's going to be like, um, recruitment. I, I think, I think the thing that has been really rough with DC is they have not had as easy a time getting or retaining, um, talented talent, I think, um, of the same <laughs> ilk. Talented I think there's talent. a, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, quote unquote professionals who kind of grind things out. But like look at Aquaman. Aquaman was a huge hit and James Wan is like a fucking nut. Or similarly the same way that uh Wonder Woman, the first movie, Patty Jenkins, was exactly Jenkins, the right yeah. person for that. You know? I don't necessarily feel that way about Shazam. You know, similarly, James Gunn ended up being the best person to do that second Suicide Squad movie. And then Peacemaker came out from that. And it just really seems to be writing a good thing. So for me, it's it's not so much a first, first move is literally put out the tendrils and figure out the right people to to get to to do the stuff. So and then, of course. What would have been the third bonus podcast read through? I'm guessing Legion of Superheroes. Roger, you're correct. So, Patch and Mortimer, three old questions I'd still love an answer to. Patch and shows up again. Whenever people talk about early image comics, no one ever mentions Brigade. Isn't that weird? Especially since it was a Rob Liefeld creation. And it even came out on a somewhat regular basis, but no one ever references it. What's up with that? Seriously, when people talk about image, even Pitt gets more mentions. Theories? My answer, Brigade comes out late enough in Liefeld's run that people just didn't pay attention, didn't buy it, or if they bought it, they didn't bother reading it. So, I, I think point. it really, literally comes down to it's close enough to Youngblood that mm-hmm. it seems like, like unlike you know someone like Prophet, which mm-hmm. was you know a solo title or, or even fucking Troll, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's close enough to Youngblood that people think it's just a Youngblood derivative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's late enough that it's like it's almost too late and misses the boat. Uh, what's funny, of course, is Brigade, I think, is the one thing that Liefeld still owns from that era. Could be. Yeah, could be. Right. Um, I think so, that sounds so right. Sure, I feel sure like he, he was he trying to, to revive more. it or someone was going to do yeah, something he more. Was. He definitely has yeah. been. Yeah. 
Uh, two, um, so- in many of the early Wait What episodes, Graham really digs IDW's Dungeons & Dragons comic. If I wanted to track those down, what runs or years would he recommend? Um, I can answer this question really easily. Yeah. Um, it's the first year and a bit of the first IDW comic, which has all been collected in one edition called Dungeons Dragons colon Fells 5. Basically, you're looking for everything that John Rogers wrote for the series. That's right. Um, I say that. And it, that, like, that collection came out like a year ago. It's really, really recent. So it's probably mm-hmm. still on print. Definitely still on Hoopla, where I reread right. it later. And then three, did either of you read DC's Advanced Dungeons & Dragons comics at the very end of the early 80s, early 90s? If so, what did you think? I did not. I did, and it didn't do much for me because, as I said when I said that I really liked IDW stuff, um, I don't really like fantasy. What was right. unusual about the Dungeons & Dragons stuff was it did appeal to me, and honestly it did because Rogers, who co-created uh, Leverage for television, mm-hmm. It's yeah. basically like writing leverage. Like he's yeah. basically writing a leverage story. Um, and so I like I dig the character dynamics a lot as opposed to the setting. And I found that the uh, all the DC TSR stuff from that era, the late eighties, early nineties. I'll try it again. Late, yeah, no, late eighties, early nineties. I was right. Um, all of the stuff from that era was very aware of the game and aware of the fantasy. Mm-hmm. And had the characterization like far down the list of priorities. Yeah. So yeah. It, it 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 really put the genre too high up for me. Mm-hmm. So wasn't wasn't really my thing. And honestly, the majority of two th- of um of the two thousands, you know, two thousand tens IDW stuff hasn't really worked for me either. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. that same reason, I, I think I think it's too closely tied to the game, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and and so it doesn't really work for me. I, I, I that's it. I still I still like the John Rogers stuff. So, right. I I think actually it'll be interesting to see what happens when that Dungeons and Dragons movie comes out because I saw the trailer for it. I was like, meh. And again, I think the thing that is really super smart is they're doing the same sort of leverage thing, which is doing doing a Dungeons and Dragons as a heist movie. Um, gives you such a good in like it gives you characters it gives you focus but it also kind of gives you a a way of lining up a a story that people are familiar with if they're not familiar with fantasy because i think everyone understands the appeal of a heist and then putting it in the context of a of the fantasy setting so there's like cool fun stuff and for D&D considering a lot of what you're doing is trying to break into dungeons and grab loot i think it it makes sense so i'm kind of interested about the movie i think it might almost work maybe or it'll bomb big um but i did not I, read I, I, I think it might be both yeah it might maybe. it might be both that it will be a good movie and also will bomb that could be yep uh new question inspired above what are your favorite series and genres you dislike what books are so good that they divide your resistance to the genre such as graham liking yeah exactly any others sci-fi western gothic horror lovecrafting horror pulp etc um i like sci-fi honestly i don't really like westerns and i don't really like uh, like self-consciously weird fantasy stories, and yet mm-hmm. I still am a sucker for like a good Jonah Hex, especially when it goes supernatural. Mm, interesting. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
Jeez, I don't know. You know, honestly, I'm not much of a fantasy guy either, which I've talked about. So my love of Marvel's Conan, I think, is like a really uh, good example of something that to me beats it. And I'm not necessarily sure in a way if people are going to sit down and read that stuff and be like, oh, this is so good. It just it 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 scratches the itch that works for me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that's great about Conan is as a fantasy novel, it's definitely as a fantasy series because Howard was um, in tight with Lovecraft and other creators um, as part of the weird tales group. They were all regular correspondents. There was a lot of crossover and they were clearly reading each other's work and they were also having to create stuff in the same thing. So you can read Conan stuff. You can read Howard stuff. You can read the Marvel Conan and you will get a certain amount of creepy Cthulhu stuff in there. You'll also get stuff that seems a little bit like a historical epic or something that, you know, cause Thomas is literally rewriting shit from Robert E. Howard. He's taking Westerns and rewriting them is Conan stories and which is kind of insane, but uh, also kind of works. Um, I don't know, you know, uh, I, I feel like their manga is great for taking series, uh, genres that I don't care about and making me really like them. Like an initial D, which I got 21 volumes into and I just adored, which was a street racing manga because it was more or less free on, uh, through Comixology Unlimited, I, I, I adored it. Um, and I can't, and I, and the racing thing just generally just would give me hives. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine the idea of anything more, uh, boring. So yeah, like sports comics, which I just don't, didn't think I would be into manga has definitely, um, over has, has managed to topple my resistance to that. So. Oh yeah. Uh, like that, that, that's, worth saying like both rock with reds and right Rovers, weirdly enough are of the art um i'm not a sports comic fan and i think both those are great comics yeah and they're right. both soccer comics so yeah, yeah. that yeah. Those, those fit in um mm-hmm. chloe has a question at the end that she snuck in not by any of the assorted channels but just told me dad but i think we're going to save that because a we're almost to three hours oh uh, and B, chloe is going to be on the podcast the next time we record is it the next time she's not the she's not yeah, that makes sense. She's not going to uh, be the final. She's going to be... Yeah. So, okay. On the third, so she'll be... As okay. On the third. Uh, so, so Chloe could just ask it then. Yeah, I think that'd be a good one. And then she can answer it, too. Yeah. Um, this is a, this is probably the longest podcast we've done in a long time, Jeff. No, probably like a month and a half. Like, we did that one that was like three hours just like two months ago. So, it's fine. It's fine. It's oh, fine. It's I uh, I'm sorry again because Jeff has to edit this so basically Jeff has even less of a Sunday this week. Yeah. Anyway, what nuts? Um, we are not recording next week because it is Thanksgiving, and so Americans to celebrate Happy Thanksgiving in advance. Yes. Um, we are back the week after that. We're back in two weeks, and like I said, Chloe's going to be on for the first uh wait what of December, but also the second last wait what. That's right. The penultimate <laughs> wait what? Yeah. Yeah, very weird, strange. Weird, everyone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Chloe will be on that uh, because Chloe uh, begged to come on one last time before we 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 ended. Very so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. That sounds uh, good. Show notes are going to be up in this whenever this goes live, which is probably tomorrow because Jeff is editing and is going to kill himself to get it up. Yeah. That is going to be at waitwhatpodcast.com. We have a Twitter account at waitwhatpodcast. We have Jeff having his own Twitter account at lazybassid, at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-D-I-D. And you have me at Graham M, at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And we are a Patreon supporter podcast. We've told you the secret origin of Empress Audrey, but Jeff is still going to talk about this right now. Well, like I said, I feel like I've, I feel like I, I will keep it short because yes, we are running long. Thank you guys. I really, like I said, I have to sit down, write emails to a lot of very lovely emails, best wishes. Um, uh, gosh, who's the guy? Somebody came in and actually um, pledged a really big amount to uh, our that. Patreon, which is yeah, like just just today, which is insane. Yeah, which is great because we were kind of sweating balls about how much it was going to cost us to. Guy Morgan, thank you so much for jumping in. If anyone else is like, hey, you know what? I got a little bit of extra dosh. I mean, it's only December. What else could be going on in your life, right? Um, that will probably help us because the goal, like I said, is to to throw money to get an extended um, year. Uh, so we're, we're looking at like we're basically going to end this and then have 18 months where it's just going to be able to purr along like a like a sleek jungle panther and um and and everyone can access it always to the extent that they want to hear two guys argue about jeff johns or rather kind of you know both sing the man's praises and and bash him into the dirt because let's face it, it when he's his ridiculous sublime sweet spot oh my god i was thinking about those fucking zombie hammerhead sharks in blackest night and just the fact that he was like yeah zombie sharks i'm like yes we need more zombie sharks <laughs> the fact that so many of you actually will hear that and be like yes i agree or no i don't or mm, you know what jeff really needs to read this comic about zombie sharks and then will actually let me know i'm incredibly grateful and again those of you, even the ones who are looking forward to saving that hard-earned dosh, the fact that you guys gave us uh, the coin of the realm to, to, to keep us inspired, fired, and wired um, really means so much. Uh, it, it is going to be... Uh, it's, it's going to be a brutal winner in a way, but, um, but I think that um, we're just... We're just extraordinarily grateful you know all that talk earlier back when we were just chewing up the hours uh, about about kind of following your passions we have are so grateful that we were able to put this out here and and just be met in kind um really thank you and Empress audrey queen of the galaxy we're especially grateful her continuing support of this podcast and damn it the the galactic and realm. reality and reality itself yeah it's true we really we had to quit the podcast before she ends up taking over re the cosmos it kind of becomes like the in-betweener but is a cat in i think i did mention that right audrey is a cat so lord yeah okay everyone it's uh it's 10 o'clock Jeff and I are both getting goofy. I don't know if you can hear. <laughs>
we will be back, like I said, in two weeks. Uh, again, happy Thanksgiving for people who do Thanksgiving. For people who don't do Thanksgiving, have a wonderful time off for the next two weeks anyway. And until we talk to you again, 